I just really want them to know that you can do it no matter what society tells you. You don't have to, to do the occupation or do the job that society wants you to do as, you know, living in this community and coming from where you do come from. You can do a vast variety of things no matter what. And I really just want to expose them into, into as much beautiful things as possible. Right. And that's really my goal is to just expose them to film and the beauty of it and all the occupations that come with film. There's so many, there's like an, in, an endless amount of jobs that you can get from film. And so I just want to present those opportunities to them also. Welcome to the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we share the stories of filmmakers, writers, change makers, and more attempting to climb the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams Los Angeles. Welcome to episode 52 of the podcast. I'm your co-host Michael Lutheran and I am so excited to share with you our extended interview with the founder and creative director of the nonprofit organization Young Movie Makers of America, Miss Moon McMillan. You'll hear Daniel's conversation with Moon about her journey towards filmmaking, music, and how she wanted to bring new opportunities to the young people in her neighborhood of Compton, California. And she's only 19 years old. Later in the interview, I'll join the conversation along with Moon's younger brother, Sir, to talk about the skills he's learned from the young movie makers of America, what his dreams are as an aspiring filmmaker. And then we'll have an uplifting conversation as Moon breaks down her vision for how her program can change her community. Make sure to stick around after the interview because I've got some exciting announcements to give about the podcast. I'm also going to be joined by a special guest, so make sure you stick around for that. But now, let's get to this inspiring conversation with Moon McMillan, and then I'll catch you on the other side. Let the hustle begin. Lately I've been living in my dreams This world is falling down, so please get me I slip into this fantasy of dreams I'm floating on cloud nine, so don't judge me. This lucid dream is captured in my soul. My body makes for time. Welcome to another episode, folks, with another interview with another fantastic, I mean, I'm talking fantastic guest. I'm here with Moon McMillan from Compton, California. Moon is a recording artist, a writer, a director, a philanthropist, a charitable, charitable person, and she is the executive uh, director for the Young Movie Makers of America, uh, which is a program for children to film uh, films and make movies and express themselves creatively, which is fantastic and such a great thing for the community. Uh, we are so honored to have her. Uh, she graduated high school at 16, then got her associate's uh, right after that, so that she could pursue her, her her dream of of filmmaking and the arts, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Miss Moon McMillan. Hi. Hey. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. We're so excited to have you on. I'm so, excited. So we found you due to a promo video yeah. that was put on the internet that I mean went huge. Yeah, it went crazy for uh, for your young film uh, movie makers of America. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to that. Okay. But I just want to let people know that there's a nice little promo video. If you want to know what Young Movie Makers of America is, right at the beginning, they can pause real quick, go watch it, and then come back. Check it out, yeah. Check it out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really great video. Really great video. Thank so you. let's just kind of start at the beginning. Okay. Where it all began. 
So tell us a little bit about you as a kid. What were you like when you were younger? Mm. I always ask my mom what I did when I was younger because my memory is very horrible. <laughs> but she would always tell me that I was always out catching butterflies and writing stories. So nice. that's like one of my earliest memories. I loved writing and catching butterflies. So <laughs> that kind of sums up my childhood. Nice. Now you have some siblings, right? I do. I do. I have an older sister. She's 22. Mm-hmm. And I have a younger brother. He just turned 14. 14. Wow. I know. Are, are they both kind of creatively minded? My sister wants to be an accountant. Okay. My brother wants to be a baseball player. Oh wow! So it's kind of you got the spectrum of like yeah. business, sports, and the arts. Yeah, That's we're fantastic. all like um, a jumbo of just <laughs> something, something. <laughs> yeah, but it makes for a great mixture because you have you know if you want that the person that's athletic and probably you know can do a few things that some others can't you grab them you've got the creative one if you need something that's inspirational or artistic you got that and then if you want someone that's got that baseline uh realism reality person you got your sister and we're all supportive of each other so it definitely works that's fantastic yeah it's got it's great to have that sport i was an only child um, which is such an interesting you know it's weird where you're like it would have been nice to have that brother sister mm-hmm. kind of relationship. Yeah. But it's also I know what that did for me creatively because it yeah. forced me to come up with my own definitely. way to you know entertain myself. I definitely um, agree with that. Which I've talked about at, at length on this podcast. So <laughs> go into uh, just go to an older episode. You can. I hear would about love that. to hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it. Okay. Great. Um, so, what was your? What do you remember? Your you know your mom said you were out catching butterflies and <laughs> and, uh, and writing stories. What is your first memory? of having an imagination or being creative Mm. well i'll say this i dream a lot i dream almost every almost every other night so as a kid my dreams were always so vivid so once i woke up i would always sit down and and write them out and then expand on that Mm -hmm. so that's when i think my imagination kind of took its own course once i started taking my dreams and manipulating them into stories and kind of just being as creative as possible right so i definitely think my dreams were like the base of my creativity right absolutely you know there's 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 times where i think i think there was something that i worked on a few a few years ago Mm -hmm. where i was having a lot of issues with a certain section i'm a writer as well Mm -hmm. and there was a certain section where I just, I had so, it wasn't working and I didn't know yeah. why. And I, I don't know if I had a dream. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I remember waking up one morning and getting ready. And I was like, I feel like I have the answer to my problem. Yeah. Okay. I think I know what it is. And I was like, I think this was a dream. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere in my subconscious, I answered amazing. my own yeah. uh, my own problem. Have you ever had a lucid dream, though? Oh, I very much so. Those I, are the best. No, well, sometimes, the best. sometimes, sometimes <laughs> they can be, they, be crazy. Most, they can be crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I have, I have had the ones where you wake up and you're like, wait, was that real? Yeah. <laughs> or the dream inside of dream mm. where you, you wake up and then realize you're still, dream- wait, you're yeah, still dreaming. That's scary. Yeah. That, those are always the ones that really mess with your it's head. It's definitely and like, like a wait. trip. Yeah. <laughs> and then all day you're like, I should be in bed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be out in the world right yeah, now. Yeah. This took, this took a lot on myself. Right so, now, yeah. so you wrote down your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, when, what's the first memory you have of bringing something to life? Mm. Either, uh, uh, theatrically or, or, uh, uh auditorially. I think, well, when I was younger, I also did a lot of poetry. Mm -hmm. So I think that was one of the first times I actually began to make a product that I was proud of. Right. And so I would say poetry. I would definitely say poetry. That's fantastic. Did you perform it anywhere or was that more I think I had a couple poetry contests. Yeah. When we were in Texas for a little bit, I did. I think I remember I did my first poetry contest. You were in Texas? Yeah, for two years. Where at? 
Uh, DeSoto, Texas. DeSoto. I'm from Dallas. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's that's crazy. Uh, so are you are you from originally from California? From LA. From yeah. LA. Okay, great, good. Then the questions still fit. All right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait a minute. I'm pretty sure she was from LA. Yeah, I think I went to Texas in about my, I think my elementary school years. Okay, we'll talk about that later because I want to okay. hear your thoughts yeah. about Texas because I have my own <laughs> being there for 29 years. I have no, my definitely. Own um, so what do you feel? Yeah, obviously, like we said, you live in LA. Um, you've been to some other cities, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now that we know, what do you feel makes LA different from any other city i think la is very diverse and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities out there you just got to find them Mm -hmm. and i think it's beautiful that you're able to connect with different people of different races of different backgrounds and cultures and it's definitely a melting pot absolutely um compared to the other places that i've been and that i visited Mm -hmm. and i think it's beautiful that way so i appreciate la for what it is for sure Mm -hmm. um yeah you know we've talked about on on the uh podcast before about the uh mixes of mm-hmm. like you said of of cultures yeah. in LA and how that how there's so many di- different types of art forms here because of that you get so many different perspectives and so many different styles yeah to, that you I mean it's literally just a grab bag to choose from of artistic displays yeah here, I love it I definitely love it just makes it so interesting for people that are in the arts right 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 um now you, what do you feel specifically like with the Soto or Texas mm-hmm. and in California or DeSoto and LA what did you feel was the biggest differences when you were there like that you kind of realized right off the bat hmm. I, I I don't remember much okay how old were you when you went there oh uh, how uh I think I was elementary school so mm-hmm. I don't really know what age that is right whatever mm-hmm. age somewhere, that is somewhere between probably like, like six, six and six. ten yeah I just remember it being so hot. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I, I did horseback riding in DeSoto. Oh, so nice. I was more into the sports in that stage mm-hmm. in my life. And mm-hmm. then when I came to L.A., I was kind of, int- well, I came back to L.A., actually. Mm-hmm. I think I was more introduced into the writing and the creating. So those two sides were kind of battling each other once I came back. Right. But I felt more in love with um, the writing once we right. moved back to L.A. You know, it's, it's interesting because Texas is really known for, you know, football mm-hmm. and that kind of stereotypical of what they're really into there. Yeah. So it's so interesting to me that you felt kind of into sports there mm-hmm. and more into the arts here, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. almost that like just that perfect contrast between yeah. the two. Because it's true. Like I love I, lo- I mean, I love Texas to a, a, a point mm-hmm. and. To an extent, th- to yeah. To an extent, and, and you know, but the biggest thing is the arts there are so underappreciated. Definitely. Um, and also, it costs so much money to go see a play. Mm. We're here; you can go see a play for like ten bucks yeah. on any given day. Yeah. There, I mean, to go see a good play is at even like at a smaller theater is almost forty bucks. Crazy. And it's just like, come on! But I can go see yeah. a football game. For you know, ten dollars. Like, yeah, know? for sure. So I would love to get my opposite. program out there. Actually, <laughs> you should. Yeah. I think it would do really well there. People would love it. There's definitely. a lot. There's a. There's definitely a desire, especially in the um, school system, mm-hmm. for more of those outside the school programs. Yeah. Like if that would have existed for me, oh my gosh, would I've been like definitely. I would have gone yeah. crazy for that because. Like I wasn't even able to start any kind of performance type stuff till high school because I did a few things in elementary school for like special stuff, Mm -hmm. but there really wasn't like a class, a drama class. And there wasn't a drama class in my middle school. So I had to wait till high school to just start taking classes. Definitely a lack. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, 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 it's really interesting that way. Now, do you feel that, why do you think people uh, come to LA? What do you think is in LA that attracts them? Other than like obviously the studio system and stuff yeah. like that. Well, I think there's two ways people kind of go about it. 
I think a lot of people come to LA because they think it's almost like a golden ticket and it's almost like a a, a foot into everything and you you instantly have a, a acting job or you instantly have like a music gig and it's it's not that you know you definitely have to work hard and make your way up to that level mm-hmm. and also LA is a beautiful place beautiful weather mm-hmm. of course we all know that but it's definitely a place of networking and connecting with people there's a lot of people out here that you see on TV that are from LA that you know you look up to that are from LA so of course you want to go out and reach towards what the people that you're looking up to are doing and where they're at doing it so, right that's why I think people come to L.A. I get that. Yeah. Uh, now, why do you think people leave L.A.? Mm-hmm. Because it, it might have not been what they expected it to be. It might have been a little bit harder than they anticipated. They had to put in a little bit more work than they have. Or some people just simply don't like it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Um, some people don't like how, um, you know, of course, in Hollywood, people might act a certain way and they don't really connect with that or they don't appreciate that in a way. So, you know, it can be it can be various different reasons. I don't know if I want to live in L.A. forever right. also. So, you know, I might leave one day and venture out and experience a different world, I would say. So. If you could like right off the top of your head, if there was one other place you could live, mm-hmm. where would you go? Okay, either New York or somewhere out of the country. <laughs> why did I know? Why did I know it was going to be? Just kind of. Yeah, I, I I visited in New York. I did acting before, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I think it's super beautiful. Oh, I think it's, it's amazing. I love that you can just walk up the street to you know enjoy life, and mm-hmm. you know L A. There's like traffic, mm-hmm. freeway. It's pretty crazy. Right. So I love New York, or completely out of the country. I don't really know. Absolutely. Yet. <laughs> nice. Um. Now. What's is there an experience that you can think of living in LA, um, especially in the sense of like kind of like you said, like made it maybe one day you would want to move out or people leave because of the way LA is or the way the situation is? Have you had an experience here that you had to like for a second you were like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get out of here, and then kind of had to think like, okay, I can get through this, I can make it past this. Okay, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was because of LA, but I have mm-hmm. experienced that mm-hmm. uh, state of mind, and I have, you know, said those words before. Right. Um, being sixteen and being in college mm-hmm. c- is can be a lot for a teenager. Absolutely. And being around adults who are much older than you and might have more experience than you, um, I dealt with, you know, being the only African American female in a class. So experiencing that and experiencing how people would react to my storytelling or oftentimes um, compare me to other black filmmakers was a lot on me. And, you know, there was times when I stood up and told um, a story and a guy was like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Not because it was the worst thing ever, but he didn't like who was telling it. And so I remember just calling my mom and saying, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) This is too much for me. I was crying in the car. I walked into my car from class and I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I finally came to the realization that I'm not going to let anyone mold or shape my future Mm -hmm. by one comment. Right. So once I came to that, I'm like, I can do this. Yeah. So it might not necessarily... um, cater to your question but it, right. it kind no. of you know relates in a sense no that's per- no that's perfect i you know uh, there's a there's a, a, a term i think we've kind of been coining a little bit slowly in this podcast which is kind of like the crying in the car moment mm-hmm. and it's that moment where you have to decide is this for you yeah you know, after an audition where you just feel like you just bombed or you left a meeting or something didn't work out and you just have that moment where you pull over and you're just in tears and it's that it's that it's that pivotal moment of yeah. do I continue 
Is yeah. it worth continuing, you know, or is it do I do I need to pursue something else? Yeah. And those make those moments make you stronger and they mm-hmm. definitely build character Absolutely. and they build for a great story. too. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Use that down the road. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I appreciate I definitely appreciate that moment mm-hmm. and I appreciate how I went about it. And mm-hmm. I appreciate, you know, me crying and my mom being there mm-hmm. to help me and just moving on and moving forward and being more stronger for the next thing that I encounter. Absolutely. You, you know, if you push through, you become stronger and again you use it down the road not only for any kind of creative art but to teach others and to push others and inspire them Mm -hmm. to move forward as well um what are your favorite things to do in la Mm, i love going to listen to poetry with my friends where do you usually go to listen um there's this place at fairfax high and they Mm -hmm. do it every tuesday night and it's some of the most amazing poets i've ever seen nice and what else do you like to do um I love seeing movies. I go to see movies all the time by myself, actually, <laughs> because I don't want anyone there ruining it for me. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that's Just one talk, of my favorite talking. things. <laughs> yes, I have to say that sometimes. Like, no, I can't invite my friends to see movies anymore. I feel bad because I'm usually, I'm not the talker. Mm-hmm. Like, I try, I do, I, during the movie, I really, I don't. But like, before, like, during the previews, I might. Mm. But I try to be... I try, you know, unless it's like, unless it's one of those movies, you're like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, then like, like Batman versus acceptable. Superman or something like that. We're yeah, like, oh yeah. my gosh, did you see that? No, it's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you like to go? What theater do you like to go to? Uh, right there at Delamo, that's down the street in Torrance, I think it is. Oh, nice. Yeah. Have you been to the Rave uh, Rave Theater over uh, in uh, below I 10, uh, Baldwin Hills? Oh, yeah. When I, okay, so. Um, when I was younger in middle school and high school, they called it the bridge. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when people say they're rave, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but then they say where it is. That used oh, to nice. be the spot. Oh, really? that, <laughs> yeah. that was the place. That yeah. was the place. Like everything happened at the bridge. <laughs> like you will want to know what happened at the bridge last weekend. <laughs> That's where you get your reports from. Yeah. How things are going down. Yeah. Now, uh, why do you think personally L.A. works for the film industry? Mm. What do you think about it is about L.A. that works for filming here? I think there's a lot of creative people here and you might you, you might not know your friend might be want to, want to be an editor or your friend's friend might want to be an editor editor so you're able to connect in that way. Now, do you feel now you you do you feel that uh film is leaving LA or do you think it's so strong? Do you think it's coming back? How do you feel the the status of filming in LA is right now? I think filming in I think that there's a lot of teens that are becoming better film, more filmmakers in LA. Mm-hmm. And I think that's amazing. Right. Um, Atlanta's a really booming place for film also. So um, I would love to get my program out there too. But yeah, for film in LA, I don't think it's leaving. I think it's definitely enhancing. And that's what my program is doing. We're, we're getting these kids and introducing them into film so that when it, you know, their generation becomes time to tell stories, they can do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Nice. Uh, now, so you graduated at 16. Um, you went and got your degree in film, uh, associate's degree in film. Um, between, you know, in high school and, and college, uh, you know, being here makes it a little easier because you're already, already in the world, in the, in the environment. What was your first steps towards, you know, uh, being a recording artist or, or, or filmmaking? Kind of what was, what was, what did you go, you know, I need to do this and then I need to do this and then I need to do this. What was your process for that? Yeah, so around 16, I said I wanted to do it, so that's when I left high school, and I began to take film courses. And, of course, we had to do short films in those courses, so that kind of pushed me to create as fast as you could until the due date, to, until it was due, you know? So that's, but I also had, um, 
a love for it. So I would want to do them on my own. And, you know, I did do that. Um, so those were kind of my first steps around 16, 17, when I made my first short film. As far as music, um, I went to... I went to high school for like two and a half years, I think it was. And um, I went to one school called Culver City. And the guys, I was really cool with some guys there. And they have their own music group. And they're like, Moon, I know you can sing. Like, just sing, come and sing on our song. And so I did it. And we recorded it. And everyone loved it. So people are asking for music for music from me. And it was my first song. And I'm like, wow, like, I can really do this. People enjoy my sound. They enjoy my voice. So that was like my first step in my first song ever was a feature. So oh, nice. it was Very super cool. cool. Now, what do you feel you take? So from, you know, if you separated them, I mean, they're both the arts, but you know, recording artist and uh, filmmaker, how do you feel they help each other? Like, what do you take from, you know, recording and music to film and what do you take from film to recording that helps you in either one? Yeah, I definitely appreciate the correlation that they both have. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to writing in general, I can either have an idea that I can write for a song and if it doesn't work, then hey, I'll make it into a short film or mm -hmm. this song is really, really dope and it will be a good soundtrack for my film. So let me just throw it on there right. or let me make a soundtrack for my film. I'm looking for a soundtrack. I don't know anyone who could do it, so I'll do it myself mm -hmm. so I can do it that way. So they're both they're both like brother and sister and they, they can intertwine. definitely. Yeah. And I think that's super, super amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how the industries connect to and the music and the film industry find their way mm -hmm. connecting. And I think that's super beautiful. Nice. Um, do you feel now when you're writing I'm kind of on the recording artist side, when you write songs um, for those kind of maybe thinking about getting into that or wanting mm. to start writing songs, would you say how many drafts of one song do you go to before it feels like it's even getting there? One. One. <laughs> yeah. If I don't like to force things, I'm mm -hmm. definitely uh, the type of person that likes things to feel very authentic right. and very real. So I, I don't like forcing things. So if I'm writing a song and I feel like it's not working, mm -hmm. then I usually cut it out. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I usually do for uh, one draft of a song takes me about 15 to 20 minutes and right. I either love it or I hate it. Right. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so you, you said you uh, when you get through the hard the hard times, you talked about kind of being in college and school mm -hmm. and stuff like that and having your mom there for support. Um, what other ways do you handle your stress and handle any kind of anxiety or things that come about when it comes to your artistic creations? Usually if film is stressing me out. I'll go to music. If music mm -hmm. is stressing me out, I'll go to film. <laughs> so you like kind of let each other. Yeah, I definitely like I definitely let each other balance each other out. Right. And if, you know, they're both good, then I'll intertwine them. If they both are, mm -hmm. you know, um, then I'll definitely go and listen to some poetry or watch an episode of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Whatever. Wait, Grey's Anatomy relaxes you? Yes. <laughs> I love it that so hotel, much. How, why, I wouldn't even go near that hospital anymore. <laughs> yes, yes. Like the amount of, th that it's on a hell mouth. Like it's on a Buffy the Vampire Slayer hell mouth. I love it so much. <laughs> Meredith Grey is my sister. I promise you. I promise you. Yeah, are you. She's your person? Definitely my person. I can see me and her like definitely connecting and hanging, hanging out. out, getting lunch, whatever. I love her. <laughs> I love it. Um, I yeah, I got into that a while back, and I've, I've been on and off. And it, yeah, so it's 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 good in the mm -hmm. sense of like it brings the drama and stuff. But you, mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm like, really, really, <laughs> Do they have to kill him? Like, really, when when is a dinosaur going to attack right. the, the hospital? Um, so let's kind of focus again on, on, on the recording artist for a little bit, okay. the, the singer and the, the songwriter. Yeah. Um, what's your first memory of music? Hmm. I would say 
sitting in the back of my dad's car listening to Sade is like uh, my most vivid memory nice. of my introduction to music. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think I um, get my sound from definitely artists like Sade, mm-hmm. Erica Badu, Billie Holiday, people like that. So you like that kind of smooth, Yeah, that's uh, definitely Yeah, it definitely fits my sound. vibe, who I am mm-hmm. as a person, who I am as an artist or, mm-hmm. you know, Whatever. So I think that's my most vivid memory, listening to Smooth Operator <laughs> in the back of my dad. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you got, so you, obviously Eric Badu, Shade. What other genres of music do you like mm. just to listen to? Just to listen to, definitely, of course, jazz, R&B, mm-hmm. hip hop. I love it all. Oh my gosh. And I listen to Beethoven a lot. Oh, okay. That's nice. like one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. you were say that's my jam. <laughs> yeah. No. Yes. I love. I love it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Now, uh, who Who would you say your favorite artist of all time is? Sade. Sade. Who is your favorite modern, like today artist? Mm. I'm gonna have to go with SZA. I'm oh, not okay. sure if you've heard of her. I've I've heard of her. Yeah. I, I haven't heard a lot of her stuff, but I've heard yes. of her. Yeah, I've been a SZA fan since the beginning. <laughs> so what yeah. what what about what about her? She's she's just. It seems like she's such a beautiful person, and she's so honest and mm-hmm. transparent with her music. And that's mm-hmm. you know something I strive to be always honest, always telling my true self, and being as you know either raw or as beautiful as I can be. Mm-hmm. And that's what she is. So it's. Lovely. <laughs> nice. Uh, what what does music bring out of you? Mm, I think it brings honesty out of me. Mm-hmm. I'm most honest in my music and most transparent through my music. So if I'm feeling some sort of way, you would definitely be able to understand it through my music. Mm-hmm. Now, are you? Um, I like. I'm a person who I'm probably eighty percent of the time listening to music. Mm-hmm. Like when I if when I was at work at the desk, I would have music playing. If I had to get up and walk somewhere, I'd put my headphones on. Like I'm constantly listening to music, usually as a soundtrack to my life. Definitely, uh, for the yeah. most part, uh, I think any filmmaker does that. Um, what you know? What are some songs? If you had to pick a few songs that kind of like your uh, get you going for the day, get you through the day, and kind of put you down at night. What are some of the songs you would suggest people try out? Okay. Um, anything Shaka Khan in the morning. Mm. Anything Sade at night is <laughs> <laughs> nice. what gets me going. I okay. like you should make a shirt. Yeah, oh my gosh, I definitely should. So in in the morning, in the morning, it's either mm-hmm. like Shaka Khan slash Kendrick Lamar. Oh, got it. I see Kendrick. It definitely yeah. get me going in the morning. And then at night, it's like Sade and like um, SZA or Janae. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to, M- M- Michael, please make a note that we need to check out SZA. Yeah. I'm writing it down now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, now, so what, you know, where are you in, you know, the re- recording artist part of your life? What are, you, what are you doing right now to kind of pursue that? So I'm working on a three song EP. So I have about four done and okay. I'm supposed, supposed to record two more this week. Nice. So. Nice. What's, what's the, uh, I mean, obviously this is coming out in early 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, will it, do you, I'm, I'm, will it be out before then? Are you hoping or do you think it'll be out? After? I think it'll be out maybe December, January. Okay. So possibly to check it out now. So yeah. look it up. Uh, are you, are you going to go by Moon McMillan or are you yeah, going by a different stage just name? Moon. Just, just Moon. Moon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look up Moon uh, and see, see if it's out or, you know, find her online and you can ask her on Twitter. Definitely. <laughs> hey, yeah. Is your album out? Definitely. Um, so moving to kind of filmmaking, when what's your first memory of film? We talked about music. What's mm-hmm. your first memory of film? 
my first memory of film, watching Shawshank Redemption. It's probably on, on TNT. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember where I saw it. I just remember that. Oh my gosh. I need to meet Morgan Freeman one day, is what I told myself. <laughs> if only we could all be Morgan right. Freeman, or at least his voice. Right. I need to meet him one day. I, I, you know what? It's funny that I'm I'm the same way. Like, I mm-hmm. remember, I mean, I remember other movies before that, but I think, uh, you know, Shawshank is always on TNT. That's why I <laughs> um, It's always on TNT. So I remember seeing it all the time. Mm-hmm. And you watch it, and it's just this beautiful journey, so beautiful of struggle and 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 persistence mm-hmm. and and uh, victory that just you know it's at the end of it you you go through it with him so much that by the end of it you feel like he feels when he's standing yes. under the water the rain you know being basically baptized so and renewed yeah. it's you know you kind of like oh, you can like relax a little bit and you feel that same way and it's, it's oh, beautiful. so good <laughs> such a good film um so what do you what did you what did you take away from most from your classes and your time in school making mm. films and in college what do you feel you took away the most i think i took away the most Always be, always be yourself when it comes to writing. Never try to please anyone. Never try to cater to anyone's genre or idea. Be your true self and tell your story. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best way to go about it. And that's what I've learned the most from studying film and being in these different film classes. Right. What do you, what do you feel if you had to pick like three films that everyone should watch okay. that's interested in filmmaking? What three films should they watch? Shawshank Redemption, A Bronx Tale. Mm-hmm. Can I say like two more? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Get Out. Mm. Um, so good. So good. Okay, I think I'm going to keep it at those three. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm going to save that one in the back pocket, yeah. the fourth one for later. Yeah. Um, what what are what artists inspire you uh, in the in the kind of film or uh, mm. theatrical area? Ava DuVernay. Oh, of course. Issa Rae, Shonda Rhimes mm-hmm. are my... Mm-hmm. My girls. Are you hoping? Are you hoping to have your day on a channel like Thursdays? Her day. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Have Moon Mondays. D- oh my gosh, <laughs> that needs to be a thing. That is- <laughs> Another shirt. I'm telling you. Another I'm, shirt. Your merch shop is just it's, blowing up. It's now. blowing up. <laughs> um, how do you express? You know, do you have camera equipment, or do you? How How do you? Are how are you able to make films? So I have. Actually, my dad passed it down to me. He had a mm-hmm. Canon that he used before, and he all gave right. it to me, and that's what I did all my film projects on. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started the program off with, actually. Oh, nice. Um, my own Canon. That's what we shot everything on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to get a new one, soon, a different camera soon. I don't really know which way I want to go about it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so I just shoot everything on my Canon. Right. Now, when it comes to writing, what's your process? Like, you know, some people have, like, my, my personal, I come up with an idea mm-hmm. I, you know, or several ideas, write them down kind of pick the one that feels like it's the meatiest that I can really bring something out of. Mm-hmm. And then I pace constantly back and forth in the living room yeah. <laughs> while I'm writing because I, I don't know why it just, it's what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, what's your process for writing? I usually write down three log lines mm-hmm. and I see which one sticks, whether I'm like driving and something pops into my head. Mm-hmm. I'm usually thinking, I think I drive a lot and I think a lot while I'm driving. Right. So whichever one keeps knocking on my head, that's the one I go with. Mm-hmm. But I usually start off with three ideas, three basic ideas, and then I expand from there. Mm-hmm. As far as music, it I listen to a beat and then I start writing. Okay, so you get you get get you get inspired by the music. Yeah, you kind of talked about who your inspirations are. Who are some who who are your mentors? Who are the people that mm-hmm. you kind of work with you that you look up to? Yeah. So when I was seventeen, 
um, I met a beautiful couple. They own a production company called Vacation Theory. And I've been their PA on a lot of different sets, whether it was commercials, short films, different things like that. So they've definitely been a huge component of my filmmaking experience and, you know, uh, my journey and um, they actually helped me create the video that you guys saw. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought their crew, used yeah. a red camera. So it was super, super dope. And yeah, they've really been my mentors. They've helped me throughout this whole process. They've, they've been extremely supportive and I'm so thankful for them. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. When you think about it, what do you feel, what do you hope you pass down to the kids that you talk to, that you reach out? Like in a general sense, what, you know, what's one thing you hope you, you give to them to, that they can take on their journeys? I just really want them to know that you can do it no matter what society tells you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to to do the occupation or do the job that society wants you to do as, you know, living in this community and coming from where you do come from. Mm-hmm. You can do a vast variety of things no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I really just want to expose them into, into as much beautiful things as possible. Right. And that's really my goal is to just expose them to film and the beauty of it and all the occupations that come with film. There's so many, there's like an, in, an endless amount of jobs that you can get from film. And so I just want to present those opportunities to them also. Right. Absolutely. Um, do you now? you kind of talked about being, you know, the only uh, female of color in, in the classroom. Um, you know, you talked about Ava DuVernay and Shonda Rhimes. Um, one of the things I know you mentioned on, uh, when you talk about the program is that the lack of uh, representation by females of people of color, especially females in your video. Um, do you feel we're on a, a, a path where that's changing or do you, I mean, obviously I think we still have a long ways to go to make, to make it where it shouldn't matter. It should just be, you're yeah. a filmmaker and you're, you're good, good yeah. at what you do, no matter gender, race, mm-hmm. sexual orientation or anything come on board. Right. Um, you know, what do you think we need to do to keep making it better and to get to that place where this doesn't even need to be a conversation. Right, anymore. right, right. It doesn't have to be, you know, the hiring of a female on an action film and becoming the Shouldn't highest paid this, act- yeah. direct, you know, female director should not be new. Right. You know, that's like them saying, hey, Scorsese just got paid a thousand. You know, they don't they don't put that right. out. You know, what do you think we still need to do to get to that point? Well, I definitely definitely think that Shonda and Ava and Issa are opening the doors for so many young women of color and Mm -hmm. women in general. And I think that's amazing. So we just need to keep uh, motivating our young boys and girls who, you know, are told that they can't do it to say that they can do it and supplying them with the tools that they need to do it. And that's what, you know, programs like mine are, are helping to push to um, have more, more minorities as you know these amazing filmmakers and it's not this big thing that they're because they're just they're good at what they do and it doesn't have to be this big thing like oh my gosh another you know whatever the case mm-hmm. may be I think it's important that we just keep pushing and and loving our craft and not doing it to be um, the next you know big thing or just doing it because we love it and I think that's you know the most important thing and I'm so thankful that I have amazing women to look up to like those writers who look like me and who, you know, have gone through things like I have. And I think it's beautiful. Um, I, I want to come back to this, uh, yeah. but you mentioned something I, I kind of want to bring up. You talked about like not feeling the stress or the needing to be the next big thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important because so many people come here that, you know, to be famous. Yeah. And, and, you know, they say like, you ask kids now, what do you want to be when you grow up? A lot of them say, I want to be famous. Right. That, that's not a thing. Like mm-hmm. fa- famous is not a thing. Yeah. You have to do something 
to be famous. Right. You know, famous is an adjective, mm-hmm. not a noun. Yes. And so, you know, one of the things I, I tell people all the time is, you know, when when you come here is come here with a goal that's realistic. Mm-hmm. Come here with a goal to go, you know what, I'm here. I want to be at this point in my career where yeah. I'm respected and I'm making stuff and I'm making money. <laughs> like, right. You know, like I think, you know, that's the thing most people, they, they think in this grand sense instead of thinking realistically, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that's something important also with kids is to remind them that, you know, you not saying they can't be, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, they go, I want to be the next LeBron James or I want to mm-hmm. be the next, you know, uh, uh, Tom Hanks or Morgan Freeman or yeah. any, you know, anything like that. And it's like, no, want to make money doing what you love. Yeah. Like, do that. If you if you, that happens, if you get that good, then great. But I don't think that should be your goal. Yeah. Your goal should be enjoy doing what you love and making a career. Yeah. And just being the best you. Mm-hmm. I think when you, you know have this goal to be the next big thing. It kind of clouds your vision mm-hmm. in a sense and it, it messes up who you are as a person and you lack authenticity and right. you lack, you know, real characteristics that exudes you as a person. Mm-hmm. So I really, you know, um, I tell kids to just be the best you. Don't worry about, you know, being the next best writer or the mm-hmm. next best um, basketball player. Just be the best you. Right. And I promise you, you will get to that level right. no matter what. No, it's definitely not a bad thing to ins- yeah. aspire mm-hmm. to be definitely as aspire. good as LeBron James yeah. or as good as, you know, Tom Hanks or uh, uh, Morgan Freeman or, you know, Ava DuVernay. It's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Uh, but you have to keep it separate. There's a difference between aspiration and goals. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I always told, you know, my my wife now, but my, my girlfriend then was that I don't care about being famous. Yeah. I, I, I'm OK if I ever got to be when I wanted to do acting, I'd be OK just being, hey, you're that guy <laughs> like that's in everything yeah. that you get hired for a ton of different character spots. You know that that's fine. You know, why? because I'm making money doing what I love. Yeah. If I get as famous for some reason as Tom Hanks or if I write something and become a great showrunner like Vince Gilligan or, mm-hmm. you know, Shonda Rhimes, then great. But that sh- that needs to be your aspiration, not your goal. Definitely. You know? Just be the best you that Absolutely. you can. And then you will get to that point mm-hmm. no matter what. If you're if you're pushing to be the best you and you're pushing, you're putting all the work in, mm-hmm. then you let everything else fall into your lap. Absolutely. Um, now, kind of going back to, you know, especially like women in film, where, what do you think the problem is? What do you you know, what do you think it's? This old generation that, you know, just women in general, um, do you think it's an older generational look or perception of women that's, you know, those people that are still kind of up in that uh, ivory tower, uh, you know, that have just that 1960s, 50s feel? Or do you think it's something deeper than that? What do you what do you think that kind of keeps, especially with all the stuff going on right now? I don't want to get too much with it, but with the Harvey Weinstein and all that stuff, what where's the problem? Like, I mean, I'm not saying you have to solve yeah. it. You have to be like, well, I know what it is and I know how to fix it. But what do you think some of the issues are that maybe aren't being dealt with that need to be noticed? Yeah, I think the way society looks at women definitely makes it harder for us to get into certain positions. And we have to work 10 times harder than our than the males in the in the same field that we are in and we're just as good as they are. But the way society has portrayed us to be and the way they want us to be kind of makes it um the work a little bit harder. So if I have to, if I have to work five times harder in order to um, be an amazing writer, then I'll put the work in because I want to make it easier for my little cousin who wants to be a writer. So if I have to keep putting the work in, then I will for the younger people who are trying to be where I'm 
where, I, where I'm at or where I'm trying to get also. But I definitely think how society looks at us because women are amazing human beings and we're just as good as the men and we can do just as uh, much as they can. Amen. So Absolutely. I definitely think it's, it's you know, um, history and how um, women have been put in this position to be, um, you know, less than or submissive or, you know, whatever the case may yeah. be. You know, it's funny, you know, we, we come from this culture of um, with as boys doing female things or mm-hmm. being seen as feminine in any yeah. form of fashion, fashion, at least my my kind of where I grew up is seen as bad, mm-hmm. you know, throw like a girl. Right. Uh, that looks that, you know, you, you're, that looks like a girl would wear that. You know, right. you know, it's kind of this weird demeaning thing. But I love now that it's kind of like you know, throwing like a girl is becoming slowly this kind of championing call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throw like a girl. Cause yeah. there's some girls that can throw a ball Definitely. faster than guys. Like, Definitely. you know, you know, this, this cool rise, especially with like women's soccer and that mm-hmm. push and that, that equality where it's like people finally speaking up and going, look, why, why this is yeah. not, why does it have to be this mm-hmm. weird women against yeah, men gender roles type thing? Why, why things. is it women can't do this, but men can why right let's let why can't they all just be the same maybe mm-hmm. do it differently but why can't they be the same yeah you know uh you know years ago a long time ago back in like the 30s and 40s mm-hmm. women and men's clothes weren't separated mm. they were you go to wow. a store mm-hmm. some guy some boys would dress in certain things that now would seem mm. feminine there wasn't boys and girls clothing there was just clothing yeah and so this weird separation happened thanks to advertisers who wanted to sell more stuff mm. and things like that, where that started being split. And they wow. started having men's and women's sections and stuff like that. So they could more focal marketing yeah. type thing. So it's so interesting to me growing up that you have these weird idiosyncrasies of mm-hmm. girly or think, it's like, oh, Cut it out. who cares? <laughs> who cares if you know, your kid wants out, to yeah. play with a doll and he's mm-hmm. a boy? Let him play with a doll. Yeah. I don't care. I played with dolls when I was a kid. I'll right. say it. <laughs> I'll say it. You know, but it's, it's it, it makes no sense. Yes. And I think it's something that definitely, like you said, we need to strive to be, to see each other equally and in, mm-hmm. in, in that it shouldn't be this thing of, well, she's a woman. So, Yeah. All right, but she's still a human being. Right, and she's still amazing and she can do everything Mm -hmm. that she puts her mind to. Absolutely. What was the first uh, film thing you made? Like video thing that you Uh, did? My first short film, it was called Recovery and I did it for a class assignment actually. What was it it about? Um, What's the premise? Yeah, so it was basically about a woman that was going back to um, her old house that her and her sister used to live in. And one day when they were younger, they were playing and her sister actually passed away. So she's going back to the house and she's experiencing all these emotions. Mm-hmm. And the um, the short film is called Recovery. So she's basically recovering and her sister's kind of coming back into the future and saying, it wasn't your fault. And, you know, I'm sorry and I miss you and mm-hmm. I love you. So just really about how sometimes facing um, things that are hard are your ways to recover and facing things that you know might be difficult are the ways of healing. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the message and the theme of the short film. What um, did you direct it? Also? Yeah. What do you, what's your? Uh, we like to ask, especially people that kind of direct things. What's your directing style when you're on set? Mm-hmm. What are you? What are you like? Hmm. 
That was my first one I ever directed, so I'm not really sure I found my style yet. <laughs> right, but, but I mean, as, as you even as you've gone through like through yeah. other the things you worked at, where you know where you are now, like mm-hmm. what do you, what do you feel your style is? If I if you hired me to come on set to do mm-hmm. something, what should I expect you to be like? Mm-hmm. Definitely know where I'm going, and definitely knowing where um, the, how the day is going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure my actors are comfortable and also letting them do them and letting them um, soak in that character and soak in those um, those uh, lines mm-hmm. and me kind of coaching them through that process mm-hmm. in a very nice way. But also mm-hmm. like, OK, maybe you should do it this way. All right. We're, we're going to try it this way, too. Mm-hmm. Very definitely lenient and letting things happen, but also knowing how I want things to happen Absolutely. in the back of my mind. You know, there's a, there's a weird way I, coming from an acting side. And, and I think Michael can. Hopefully, I've directed Michael in uh, a thing a while back, and so hopefully he can attest to this <laughs> in some way. Um, you know, it's so weird with with directing actors because mm-hmm. you have to play this weird dual role mm-hmm. of almost mother and father. Yeah, where you kind of let them do them and let them find who they want to be, but mm-hmm. you also kind of have to be on them. Yeah, a little bit to you know keep the day going mm-hmm. um you know if because if you let them get too much then it give them too much of the slack they'll be uh can i get four more takes right <laughs> uh, i don't think that was great you know you don't want to <laughs> let them control the set mm-hmm. but you also have to come at them with this sense of you can be you i'm not here to take away right what you and hopefully they have that mindset of you're the director so it's got to be a it's a collaboration. It's, it's a true, true collaboration yeah. and a true sense of compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a problem, you don't just go, well, you're not doing it right. Get out of here. Yeah. It needs to be like, what What do you want to do? Here's what I need. Let's find that middle ground. Definitely building patience, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> and, and, and I've known some directors that go on set with the mindset already of like, they're going to give me problems. Mm. And they already come at them more on the dad side yeah. than giving them that space to let them be them. And it's just, and I'm sure Michael maybe has has had something like that where he's been on set and someone's had that reaction to him as an actor where they come on set already <laughs> defensive yeah. of the actor. And you're like, okay, whoa, I didn't, I just, yeah. I just need a second. I'm sorry. Past experiences, <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> and so- it's 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 definitely about how you approach and how you perceive those actors. Are you going to perceive them as already having a problem? Mm-hmm. Are you going to like as th- they have their own thing? Right. You know, whether you understand. That's why I always say it's great if, if you want to be a director taking acting class. Yeah. Like so, so you, you can understand. understand what they do and what their process is. Mm-hmm. And you don't think, you know, th- th- those people that think, well, acting is just the easiest job in the world. Of course, you want to do difficult. it. It's like, no. No, it's it is pretty not. Pretty difficult. <laughs> I've, I've had people all my life who are like, "Well, you're in theater. How hard would that be?" It can be <laughs> side it can eye, be, yeah. Major side eye. <laughs> <laughs> that works for the audio uh, platform, right? Just saying side <laughs> eye. <laughs> it's like the emoji. Yeah, it's, right. It's, it's audio emoji. <laughs> side eye emoji. Um, what do you film? What do you feel is film's purpose in the world? Mm. Big question. <laughs> I think film is if a universal language and it it has the ability to bring people together. And I think that's amazing. I can sit right now and watch a French film and I know a word that's being said, but I'm able to interpret and understand what's going on while, you know, they're speaking French and I don't know, you know, what's going on. But I think that film has the ability to bring everyone together because it's something that we all enjoy. It's something that we all love watching our favorite actor, whether he's, 
um, has the same background as us or he doesn't. We all appreciate that good writing. We appreciate a good shot. And that's what I think film is really, I think that's the best part about film because we can all appreciate it no matter where we come from. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's, 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 it's visual music. Music mm-hmm. is a, a, a pace. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, a medium that can be turned visual yeah. if you can hear it and feel it and, and take it in. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, you go to a concert, you're all experiencing mm-hmm. that concert together. Same thing with a film. You go to a theater, you're all experiencing mm-hmm. that story together. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think it's it's whether, you know, you have movies like The Artist or mm-hmm. Life is Beautiful, which are not in English. One doesn't even have audio, you know, yeah. sound to it. It's just all cue cards and but stuff like that. But you can appreciate but, but it. You can appreciate mm-hmm. the moments and appreciate the feelings and the the the, the humanity, the um, uh, hum- humanitarian feel that's coming from it. Definitely. And, and relate to it in a lot of ways. But you have to be open to that also. Yeah. You have to accept that moment. Be ready for it, you know? For sure. Um, so let's let's kind of talk about young movie makers of America. Okay. Um, or youth movie makers of America. I'm so sorry. Young youth. movie makers. Yeah, young is movie. young? Why yeah. are you? Okay, I was right. <laughs> I thought I was young. I was I'm sorry. Um, young movies makers of America. Um, where, where did it start? So I think I was 17 or 18 when I said I wanted to teach the kids in my city how to make films. Mm-hmm. Um, we started right at the at the park down the corner at Campanella Park, and I made up a curriculum, and we did it. Um, I'm a firm believer that I didn't have to make this big movie or have this big hit show in order to give back into my community. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely in the works of giving back at the point I am in my life. I have the knowledge of um, I've taken classes. I have my AA in film. So I do have knowledge to pour into the kids in my city mm-hmm. and expose them into the world that, you know, I love, that I really, really have a passion for. I love writing. I love filmmaking. So why not give back when I can? Mm-hmm. So we started it when I was 17, 18, and we had it at the park. And um, it was about, it was during summer. So it was definitely super flexible. We mm-hmm. weren't on like the super strict schedule. It was really like, almost like a trial and to see if they enjoyed it. And they really, really did. And um, it ended up helping their English skills, their writing skills, their vocabulary skills. So it definitely became more of an enrichment program than anything. And so that's, that's kind of where we, where we started. Nice. What, now what, if you kind of, what's take me through like a day, like what's Mm -hmm. the, what's the program? Like if I signed up for, you know, the winter session coming up next year, Mm -hmm. what would, what would I, what would I need to prepare for coming? So, um, Every week we or every session we go over a different part of film. So say one week is on editing, we're gonna spend a whole couple of days on editing. Say one um, session is on sound mixing, we're gonna do a whole session on sound mixing. So all leading up into us shooting and editing our own short films. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like um, almost like a little course. And at the end of your course, you're gonna have a product. Mm-hmm. And so that's what every day is consists of different elements of filmmaking, right. so that we can. They can shoot and edit their and act in their mm-hmm. own short films. Nice, very cool. So you kind of get a whole full yeah, rounded all the feel. knowledge, all Absolutely. the knowledge that you need in order to make it. Yeah. Now, do you teach it solely by yourself, or do you have others that come in as well? The first session that I did was by myself, mm-hmm. uh, me and the kids in the <laughs> computer lab. Mm-hmm. Um, what, was she, the, what are the ages, real quick? Uh, middle school ages. So I think that's like 10, 12, 13, mm-hmm. almost fourteen. Right. Um, but yeah, so just around that age, it was just us and we did it 
and right. it was it was dope. <laughs> so so you had the idea, you kind of put together the, that that first trial run. Mm-hmm. What was the steps to to even setting that up? Like, what was the process for that? Yeah, well, my dad um owns it. Well, he has a baseball team at the park, and so mm-hmm. he's really good with the guy that you know works the park. So we asked him, could we borrow the space every Sunday? And he said, of course. Uh, he said, of course. And so we did it. So I just made sure that I had my curriculum set up and we went in and we did it. Mm, nice. Okay. So you just kind of, it was just, let's just yeah, try it. We'll it was it like, shot. I want this to happen. So I'm going to make it happen for myself. How many uh, kids did you have in that first session? Um, Let me think. I think about 10. 10? 10. Nice. Um, so uh, you obviously partnered with uh, some people. Can you tell us how that, the part, that partnership kind of came about? And kind of how that the new all- yeah 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 okay um so yeah so I tweeted out um a little snippet of our promo video mm-hmm. for the program and I just tweeted it because I wanted my friends to see what I had been up to <laughs> and just kind of like sharing um, my life because I I I do you know a lot and I don't really show right. that much so I was like what the heck I'm just gonna put it out there mm-hmm. and you know just to see what if my friends are even interested in maybe volunteering or you know right so I tweeted it and I think. The first couple hours, it got like 500 retweets. And then later in the day, it went to like 2,000 and 5,000. And then um, I got I came home and I'm like, Mom, like uh, I went viral on Twitter. <laughs> um, should I tweet Ava? Because, you know, she's my favorite mm-hmm. filmmaker. And so I tweeted her and maybe a, a couple of seconds later, she mm-hmm. retweeted it. So it went from like 5,000 to like 7,000. <laughs> and um, 7,000. So I took a nap and then I woke up and then Jordan Peele right. <laughs> was tweeting me, you know, he right. said he wanted to meet me and, you know, yeah, he messaged that. me super crazy. So now it's like over 10,000. Right. So from that, a lot of people were reaching out to me wanting to donate. I've gone to a lot of different conferences, conferences, had a lot of different meetings with people who really just want to help me and want to see what I'm about and want to see what the program are about. Um, really just wanting to donate and see if I can get, um, teach their program to, you know, their kids and the people that they work with. So it's been really, really amazing. That's I'm super fantastic. blessed. Yeah, life has been moving extremely fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't used to, like, emailing people all the time and right. things like that. <laughs> but I definitely had to become acclimated to that type of lifestyle. It's so weird, isn't it? Like, super you weird. You start, like, feeling like, okay, I've got to be on, on alert yeah. almost all the time because <laughs> you don't know what's going to come in. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael is the one that sent me a link to your video, um, through Gchat and I checked it out. He's like, you you have to look at this. And so I was like, all right. Uh, he's like, maybe we can get her on the podcast. So Mm -hmm. I looked at it and I was like, yes, that's amazing. That's exactly what I want to do with Mm -hmm. the show. So, uh, that's when I like immediately like messaged you and I was like, Hey, send me a DM. Let's chat (laughs) Uh, before you get taken up and swept away. Let's, (laughs) let's chat real quick and set this up. Um, that's awesome. That so many kind of reached out to you. How, now, how did you start handling that Mm. and organizing all those requests and all those people? And what was your process for just organization? Um, in the beginning, my sister helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. I just, I gave her my Twitter password (laughs) and she started helping me kind of like respond to all the people in my messages. Mm -hmm. But then I kind of took it on myself. I said, I, I did this. I made it happen. So it's my responsibility. So just really emailing people day and night, mm-hmm. setting up meetings, answering calls, things like that. So right. I was super thankful and extremely blessed. So I was never like, oh, my God, this is too much. I don't want to do it anymore. I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm shutting down. Yeah. <laughs> I was never like that because, you know, I've taken the proper steps in order to have something like this happen. And mm-hmm. it happened. Nice. Very cool. Um, do you, now, are you coming up with the curriculum or do you have other people helping you? 
come up with the the things to teach or what to teach or the topics? It's all me, actually. I'm in the middle of creating a book. I'm going to be an author right now. Oh, nice. So um, actually, it's more of a workbook, and it's going to be a book that um, the kids follow the okay. guidelines in order to make their film. So say um, a kid in Texas mm-hmm. wants to be a part of Young Movie Makers. He can purchase the books and watch the online component oh, on our awesome. website soon. So that's he'll fantastic. be able to come out, come up with his own short film. And the the book is super friendly. I'm writing mm-hmm. it. I know how to talk to kids. So right. it's not one of those super hard, big words type of <laughs> filmmaking book. You know, I really, right. I really want it to be extremely simple, friendly, funny, mm-hmm. and in some points in the book, just to help them understand like the way I am explaining mm-hmm. sound mixing or the way I'm explaining creating a character mm-hmm. is extremely easy and I can, you know, tell it to my 14-year-old brother mm-hmm. or explain it to my 10-year-old cousin. Right. So that's what I'm working on right now. Now, during during the program, are they making several short films or is that the long-term goal by the end for them to make a film? Yeah, the long-term goal. So maybe three films in all if we mm-hmm. split the groups up. Right. Um, three films in all, they're going to act in it, edit it, and shoot it. Nice. Very cool. Well, if you ever do a contest and need judges. Yeah, that's... That's actually, yeah, that's actually <laughs> one of our goals is to have a um, a, a film festival nice. for the kids. So when, you know, we, I get to different schools and different mm-hmm. things like that, then we're going to have a super big one that's from different um, right. schools. So I'm going to have to start teaching um, teachers or assistants my curriculum mm-hmm. so that I can have it at different schools. And I can also be teaching at, you know, right. so whatever you location. It out. Yeah. Because it's a business, right? Yeah. It's, it, you have to look at it as a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a different kind. It's a very giving business. Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. And so you have to look at how to grow it, to expand, to do more things, and yeah. bigger things for sure. Now, we kind of talked a little bit in the, the sense of the artist and, and uh, the film industry about, you know, women's roles and the, the you know, f- women of color. Um, when it comes to, you know, you're a female run program, you know, what do you feel, especially with that video going viral? What have you felt like the impact with the kids seeing, you know, a strong female leading the charge? Yeah. How, how do you feel that's impacted them or others that have seen it? And what do you think the challenges and struggles you face are being not only a woman, but a woman of color running this company and having to approach these people and have these meetings? Yeah. You know, what do you feel you have to overcome in those moments? Well, um, for starters, the the girls in my programs, they're the ones that are like, no, I'm the director today. Mm-hmm. I'm the DP. I'm the sound mixer <laughs> because they've seen me do it. And they're right. like, if Moon can, if Miss Moon can do it, then of course I can do it. I don't care what anyone else says. So that's not even really in their mindset, they can't do it because they've seen someone like me do it. Mm-hmm. And as far as, um, um, what was what was that the question? I'm sorry. Oh, just, yeah, like the 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 struggles that maybe you have to overcome, or like you know when people sit down to meet with you, do you feel more weight on your shoulders as a woman than if you were a man doing this? Do you you know what do you, what do you feel is different for you and that you have to give maybe a little extra of? I definitely I definitely don't feel like I never have to do anything more because I'm a woman. I'm just myself. Okay, and. Right. Usually the people are either interested or they're not. But I have a very strong mother and I have strong women in my family. So I'm extremely strong and well-minded and I can make anything happen for myself. So I'm never like second guessing. Oh, my gosh. Like, am I going to be scared in the meeting? Are they going to think I'm like too young or, you know, anything like that? And I've been really doing this since I was 16, being around adults and things like that. So I always had that mindset. If they're interested, they are. If they aren't, then they aren't. And, you know, you don't have to be self-conscious. Right. 
So would you say you've had kind of always had like a mature personality, like more ahead of maybe some of the other kids you grew up with? I would say my mom always says I have an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> like I love, I have like this record player and I listen to it. Like mm-hmm. I'm like an older lady drinking my tea at night. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely think that that's a component of, nice. you know, my whole thought process. Right. And yeah. Now, what have, uh, what, have, what have the kids' reactions been and the parents' reactions to the program? They're so excited. Yeah. When I told them that, you know, I was meeting with uh, Jordan Peele, they were like, no way, Miss Moon. Like, <laughs> tell them we said hi. Um, things like that. Bring so they're excited. Yeah. They're so, they're super excited and they're excited for the next session and to mm-hmm. meet all the people that, you know, want to meet them and mm-hmm. want to teach them and come to talk to the kids. And, you know, they're excited for the sets that we've been invited to go on and, they're really nice. excited. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what now? Can can we ha, have you met with Jordan? I did. Yeah. Nice. What well, can can you tell a little bit about the meeting and how that went and yeah. what you guys talked about? He's amazing. He's yeah. an amazing person. I felt very comfortable. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like oh my god, like I'm scared. It's going to be. Did y'all meet in an office or did I, I went up to? I think it was one. I don't know if it was his house. It was a beautiful oh, okay. home. Gotcha. Up in I think it was like Hollywood or something. It was mm-hmm. so beautiful, super gorgeous. <laughs> and I went in and. Um, yeah, it was chill. A guy named Matthew Cherry was there. Amazing filmmaker, amazing writer. That name sounds really familiar. Yeah. Matthew Cherry. I have to look that up. because He's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. He was there and I met with him and, and Jordan Peele. And we nice. just sat and have, had a conversation. I think it was maybe two hours. Or That's awesome. That's just so talking, great. explaining my program to them. Mm. Of course, I asked them questions about, <laughs> you know, their upcoming projects. Mm. We talked about Get Out a little bit and right. um, our, our love for horror and different mm. things. Like just having an an authentic conversation felt like I was talking to like one of my guy friends that <laughs> love filmmaking also. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. It's, it's always great to talk to people that are in the business mm-hmm. that are doing it because you can get so much if you're willing to listen. So yeah, what, he explained a lot to through. me. He explained a lot to me. That's fa- That's awesome. That's so exciting. That's, and it's so nice that he gave you that time and reached out to yeah, you. He's extremely humble. I was so appreciative. Yeah. You know, his schedule is probably booked and he made time for me and my program. <laughs> right. So I was so thankful. Yeah. I remember, I think I saw when I was, when I was reaching out to you, I saw on your Twitter when he reached out to you mm-hmm. and he said like, you know, DM me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Mike was like, she got Jordan Peele talking to her, man. Right. <laughs> when are we making a video? <laughs> um, so where do you, you know, you talked about expanding and having kind of teaching assistants kind of at different places. You know, where do you, as, as this place grows, what are your, you know, uh, you know, tier goals for the program? You know, like right now you're here doing the next, you know, wor- workshop, then having regular workshops probably, and then expanding kind of what's your goals your ongoing goals for for this program so um we're going to have more sessions that aren't just about creating short films we're going to have a documentary one we're going to have a commercial one we're going to have a music video one and i also want to have um uh, a session on creating a short children's book also so just expanding the different workshops that we you know that i can write up and i can create the curriculum for I really want to get into uh, places like Atlanta, Detroit, Chicago. So we're working on reaching out to different schools or different um, programs out there, too. So really just about expanding and as reaching as many kids as possible, because there's a lot. Kids are so creative and there's something about the stage of like an adolescent mind that like runs on tangents and they're always thinking and they're always creating. And I just want to capture that. And I want to just be able to help them tell their stories. Right. Absolutely. So, now, if you ever want to do a podcasting workshop. Yeah, that would be again, super cool. Michael's going, what? No, definitely. <laughs> volunteering Michael's time. <laughs> definitely, yeah. I, I I just want to expose them to as much as possible. Absolutely. 
No, I, I think that's I think that's great. I, I taught um, high school kids, uh, high school kids improv when I was a little younger, yeah. when I was in college. And it was always fun just kind of seeing them grow and learn and and just have a fun time doing it. But also wanting to know more and just yeah. wanting to take that knowledge in and just so thirsty for it. Um, now, we kind of talked about the impact of the video a little bit. You know, had people reaching out. You, had people, you know, what can I ask, like what donations you've gotten or, you know, have you gotten uh uh, equipment donated you know what what's kind of what's come out of it so far yeah so people have been donating money so i'm gonna use that mm -hmm. money of course to purchase the equipment mm -hmm. i'm deciding if i want to go with cameras or ipads mm -hmm. i'm in the middle of deciding <laughs> you know of course there's pros and cons to both mm -hmm. um but yeah just really money to help me purchase the equipment right. um make sure i'm getting the kids snacks and things like that because it is a, a couple hours per session right absolutely so yeah people just really have been donating money and i'm so thankful that's awesome that's fantastic yeah shout out to all those people yeah to a wonderful cool. program that's exciting <laughs> um where can people reach out if they want to donate something or yeah. you know they if they're in the maybe in the industry and want to offer their ex expertise or mm -hmm. their time uh where can they reach you at definitely at youngmoviemakersofamerica.com we have mm -hmm. a little donate tab that okay. you can just click and donate fantastic um what do you, you know where do you see yourself in you know 5 years 10 years from now where where do you hope to be at definitely creating films and mm -hmm. music and having a hit tv show or <laughs> a super cool movie out or having uh an amazing song that's on the charts <laughs> um but just just really being as creative and as honest and transparent as i can be and of course still helping um the kids from my community in different places i'm still i uh, you know would love to have the program still running in 10 years of course other people will be teaching it and i will be you know doing my thing but of course still having this program running because this is my heart and i love it right that's awesome that's fantastic <laughs> I, I you know it definitely it's something, like you said, it really hit me because it's for kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important to teach them now the the arts. And, te you know, it does so much for them. It's confidence wise. Yeah. It, it, it just it builds something in them that they don't get anywhere else. Definitely. And th there was this buffer chat that had this question about, you know, how does creativity help you personally and in your life? And when I started thinking about it, it really was it gave me self-confidence in me and let me find something where it distracted me from whatever the crap in the world was bringing on me. It gave yeah. me something to do that I could feel proud of and feel like I accomplished something. And this feeling of a how much a feeling of accomplishment can do for a person. And so giving that to these kids and giving them that opportunity is so amazing. And I know we'll do so much for them. And I applaud you for taking your time and reaching and, and making that video and going to these <laughs> meetings and like, Doing all of that for them is right. so great Thank you. and fantastic. Thank you. Now, we also have a fourth guest uh, I'd like to bring on, Moon's brother, Sir. Hi. Hey, sir. All right. So uh, it's great to have you on, sir, because we, we want to talk about you've, you've kind of done the program, uh, the, the film program with Moon, the uh, young actor, young film movie makers of America. I'll get it right. Um, young movie makers of America. Um, so let's just kind of start with you. Like, what about the program 
made you want to do it? Like, was it just because your sister was doing it? Did she force you to do it? Like, what about it made you want to go do it? Well, I've been seeing her filming, editing, doing tons of things in the film industry. And I was so excited to hear that she was having a film program. So, yeah. I also have a sister and uh, older brothers. And sometimes it helps when you have that older sibling that's doing what you want to do. In a way, they're the ones that kind of test the waters as it were. And, but when you have, you know, a sibling like Moon, who's just, you know, creates a program and stuff, it's kind of hard not to want to get involved, mm-hmm. I imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you didn't go to sabotage it, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> like most younger brothers would do. That's great. Now, uh, what was your, you know, what do you want to do? Like, what do you, where are you and your like dreams and aspirations? Do you want to be a filmmaker? Do you want to be an actor? Do you want to be a singer? I want to edit videos. I like being creative. I like doing like a cinematic video where everything is slowed down and everything is just so bright and things. Yeah. Nice. You know, that's it's, a, it's so interesting because one, that's a great uh, aspiration because most people don't want to be editors. So or it's it's not the first thing to come <laughs> to mind. Yeah. Not nobody. But most that's like especially most filmmakers. That's their least favorite part is editing. But it's the most important part arguably as well once again not putting it down by any means <laughs> i'm just saying mo- mo- that's not a job a lot of people yeah that's their first go-to so it's great because that means that's good for you because that means there's a lot of openings as long as if you get good and really work at it that that's there's there's people that need you and it's also a great job you can get freelance so that's something you can easily do on the side all the time just go hey you got video five bucks a minute i'll i'll do it you know and so that's something really great um, what, what's some of the things other than editing did you enjoy about the program? What's some other stuff maybe you didn't think you would like that you liked or kind of grabbed onto? Probably learning how to write a script on Celtics, like how to type in all the words, how to do a story, how to put it in the right structure and make sure everything is right and it isn't just all over the place. It's just not mixed up. So it's perfectly fine. For listeners who aren't familiar with Celtex, it's still around, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a free uh, script writing software that is free to download, I imagine, yeah. for at least a trial. And mm-hmm. it shows you all the proper formatting and everything like that. I know Google recently added a tool to their Google documents that also have similar uh tools as uh, Celtex, but I think that's one of the best programs that you as a screenwriter can learn from. Yeah. If you don't have money, it's a good one to get. Uh, I mean, you can, I mean, it's pretty much final. It's, it's like uh, the, the Adobe program, but just the light version yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, so uh, nice mention. Well, so yeah. Celtics, if you're listening, yes, we need the sponsor. <laughs> we'll take the sponsorship. Um, but are there any movies for you that like you really look up to in terms of their editing? Um, Specifically, I guess, because I know that's something you're really wanting to go towards. What is there a movie that comes to m- your mind when you think about editing? Um, I will have to say my favorite movie has to be Get Out. Yeah. It was so structured. Everything was just written perfectly. It had good scenes. It described it a lot. Instead of showing it, it described it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I love the shots of, you know, there, there's a lot of ways that that movie could have been shot. You know, and the sequence that I really love is when he's, you know, the main character is like frozen in his chair, but you go inside yeah. his mind and he's mm-hmm. just falling in, really in darkness. And I think yeah. that is such a really, you know, they could have done a million other things. They could have shown him in a different reality of, you know, all these other people, but instead it was just darkness and the fear of just being alone and falling, yeah. I thought was really symbolic, um, yeah. symbolic and crafted. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Moon, what was it like kind of having your brother in the program and having, you know, teaching it? Were you worried that there would be issues with, you know, obviously siblings and, you know, the, how that works? Or, you know, were, were you excited? What was what was the feeling for you? <laughs> well, when it comes to getting work done, he's pretty good. He's, you know, very chill and he'll make things happen. And he, if some if a kid's like running around, he'll like, all right, my sister's a teacher. So like you have to act good, or, <laughs> you know, things like that. So he was super helpful, almost like an assistant. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. So you, you seem like a, you seem like you guys get along. Do you guys get along all the time? Or hmm. are you? I think you, between, okay, me and my sister used to argue a lot when we, when we were younger. And so now we're like super cool. That's like my best friend. But now me and Sir. <laughs> yeah. but there's, been, there's been a table turning. Yeah. But it's always the middle child that's like the one that's arguing with everybody. I don't know what it is. You're battling for your, your place, man. Right, you got right. that rank. It's that rank and file yeah. system. So now it's our turn to like argue. But when we get older, we'll be like best friends. So, <laughs> well, uh, I was right. wondering with your sister, do you have a sim- uh, similar like creative relationship? Because she was the one that you said is an accountant. Yeah, she wants to be an accountant. Yeah. yeah. She, she definitely helps me get my ideas together she she always says she's not good at like being creative and all that stuff but she she has a lot of structure she's a very structured person so when it comes to like my crazy right brain on the loose she's always like okay but like maybe you should put this right here and maybe okay maybe this character should do this so she's really good with stru- helping me structure like my creative side uh, that, i was gonna say it's that left right, left brain right yeah. brain um my, my wife is definitely has her creative creative uh sections mm-hmm. but she is definitely more of the right brain brain the and I, yeah she's more the practical the organization yeah. organizer i'm more the dreamer and yeah. imagination and stuff like that yeah. so it's so interesting because there's definitely those conflicts yeah. that come into play between those two but we do support each other in those ways she for comes sure. to me she, when she was in school she would come to me for ideas for her marketing classes for creative stuff uh you know and so she i think that she loved i think that's why she stayed with me honestly <laughs> help her get through school yeah <laughs> Nice. I love you, honey. <laughs> um, siblings, for me, I always looked up, you know, to my my sister and my brothers as my own personal heroes mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, just going around uh, the table, as it were, uh, are there any heroes, you know, they personal or you know, creative that you think of uh, when you look up to someone mm-hmm. uh, whose uh, career either you would like to aspire to, or um, you know, pr- people that you know firsthand that are pushing you in that path. Yeah, definitely my mother and father. They've been extremely supportive. I definitely aspire to be that type of parent one day. I know without their support and their help, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I know if I said at 16 I wanted to be a marine biologist, they would have put me in a marine biology (laughs) biology camp. So I definitely think there should be a lot more parents out there like that because – once they once they understand that we have a passion for something, they definitely help us out to get mm-hmm. there. Like whether it's my brother dirt with biking. baseball, dirt biking, boxing, whatever he wanted to be, he was going to be it. Or my sister with like accounting or running track, they always helped us. And I definitely look up to that. I think it's amazing, and I would want to be a, that type of parent one day. Uh, during your Act One interview, we had a live Insta story that was running, mm-hmm. and one of the uh, listeners who uh, you know was just engaging with us yeah. and everything on that, uh, she shared that her parents really pushed her to go to school for engineering Mm. and that it was really hard for her, at least for the time for a while to really embrace what she was going through. And she ultimately ended up saying, and it was around the, uh, in the middle of your conversation, uh, she said, you know, if I, if I'm going to struggle, I might as well struggle doing what I love. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's good. Yes. 
Yes. Um, we're taking that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, no, big it's shout so out to true. Ashley. Absolutely. But, but you know, you were saying about how great it is to have parents yeah. that to really, you know, push you to what you love. Not everyone is always so lucky. And so, um, yeah, I definitely think like parents who support kids in yeah. pursuing the dream, that is always like, you know, going to be one of the first things that you need. Um, but if not, then you have to find that internal strength. And that can be that can be difficult at a young age. You know, what parents do you know says okay to their child leaving high school at 16 and like saying they want to graduate? You know, not a lot will do that. There's a lot of um, bad things that could have happened with that. I could have, you know, felt sad that I wasn't going to prom and stuff with my friends or like I wasn't going to walk the stage, but they were really supportive and they helped me through the whole process. So I felt comfortable and I felt like this was what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're they're amazing. What uh, what about you, sir? Is there uh, anyone that you particularly look up to? Um, you know, Moon was just saying your parents. Is there anyone else maybe for you that you look up to? It could be a filmmaker or anyone. My parents also, but mostly her because she like stays up at like three o'clock in the morning. She's either <laughs> writing or singing or practicing something. And I'm like, go to sleep. Like That's why you can't sleep because she's singing right. at three o'clock in the morning. It's like three o'clock in the morning and she's working hard. And like she's, and she like barely goes out. Like every single day she's either working or doing something to like, how explain, to get to her goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have well, no idea what that's like. Yeah, well, no, to see <laughs> to see your own sibling working hard, doing what they love, sometimes not you know doing it, even though they're not maybe making money off of it, but it's because what they love, and that's always inspiring to see. When when you do what you love, it's 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 hard work, yes, but it's work you want to be doing. There's 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 gratification yeah. from it. There's 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 uh, success in it. Um, so when you find that thing. And you do stay up till 3 a.m., 4 a.m. doing it. We have a former guest of the show, Kurt Mega. He's constantly up working till like four or five in the morning on stuff because, you know, he has a he has a kind of a full time side job. Plus, he acts full time as well. So it's stuff like that where you've got to find that time to do what you want. And if it's worth it, you're going to make that time no matter what time of day it's going to be. Well, and, you know, Daniel, you're a father of a three uh, almost three year old. Uh, (laughs) You know that sometimes that three o'clock, four o'clock hour is the only time that you can get without any distractions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I'm definitely up at 11 at night, 12 at night, one o'clock going, okay, this is when I can actually edit something or this is when I can actually write something um, and get it. You know, my wife, obviously, if I grabbed a laptop and started writing, she wouldn't mind. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just need that like quiet and that alone space where you can just be like, okay, I can do this here and I can I have the time where I can walk around and not bother anybody. Uh, but Daniel, what about you? Is there anyone that you particularly look up to or, the, or that has supported you that keeps you going through all of it? Michael Lutheran. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I say, oh, I'm just kidding. Like, that's horrible to say. Um, I I'll do, cut this out. I do look at, no, I do look up to Michael uh, in a lot of ways. He, he works really hard at his craft and he aspires to get better every day at what he wants to and what he loves. And he takes classes and he, he spends the money to get the headshots and, and, you know, does the work with the management and puts in the work to submit the auditions, which, yeah, you're sitting in a computer, but you're still submitting and you're submitting and you're looking and you're looking and you're reading and you're reading. Um, so I do look up to Michael in that sense. He works very hard. I wasn't hard. fishing for that. I know, I, but I, you. it's true. <laughs> um, you know, I have to say, I, I look, I'm kind of like you guys. I look up to my mom, my mom and, uh, uh, not a single parent, but uh, my, my parents divorced when I was younger and I stayed with my mom and um, she started working at a company back in the 60s and 70s, kind of what we talked about with how women struggle to kind of get their place and, you know, get their respect. She had to do that and she rose up one of the, she was one of the first female kind of executives of the company 
and she still had to fight to be heard and be respected. And, and then she recently semi-retired and they offered her a ton of money not to do that. Uh, cause I love her so much, but, uh, you know, I respect that, that fire and that passion and, and sitting and dealing with that disrespect to gain the respect, you know? And, um, and so I definitely respect that. Um, you know, I, I, I think anybody that for me, I take pieces from everyone, you know, moon's inspiration, that video inspired me because it's like, she's doing something for the community and doing some of the kids. And it's like down the road, if we can do that for this podcast and find a way to give back to the community, I want to do that. You know, that, that to me is very important. And the fact that you're like, I want to do this and you did it. Like, that's not, how can that not be inspiring for anybody? I want to start a YouTube channel, then do it. Like I want to start a podcast, then do it, you know, just, just make it happen, whatever it is. Um, so that's super inspirational. Um, I think, you know, I, I, any of my friends that work hard are my inspirations. For sure. Um, obviously I have people who I look to in the film industry, Tom Hanks and, mm-hmm. uh, Denzel Washington and, uh, Ava DuVernay and yeah. so many other people that I look to for, you know, professional inspiration and go like that and, and things to aspire to be in a way. But when it comes to that personal inspiration, it's really, for me, it's, there's just, everybody that takes a chance and anybody that works hard to get where they want to be. I could name a thousand of them (laughs) that they've, I've taken inspiration from all of them and you do truly feel, I think sometimes for me, and I don't know if it's for you guys, when I, those people inspire me, I feel like I owe them something Mm -hmm. in a way. I feel like even though there's no contract, I've never said, they've never said you owe me this. I feel like I owe them something to become something because they've inspired me because they gave their time to me or they've shown me something. I feel like I need to get show something to them to give thanks back in a lot of ways. How about you, Michael? Uh, in terms of Inspir- uh, inspire people, that inspire people me. inspire. Um, I mean, I think we've all gone around and said it, but like mom and dad are always uh, an inspiration. My dad, you know, served 23 years in the air force. And then on top of that, 16 years shout in, out uh, in the private sector, but all of that being, you know, towards family and towards giving us kids the chance to do what we love. And when, you know, you would normally think uh, a parent who works in the military would not be supportive of their kid who wants to go into the arts, yeah. but he was uh, shoot for the stars mm-hmm. and stuff. And so he said, like, you know, you do what makes you happy, sure. but make sure you do it the best that you can. And then my mom was always, you know, the one driving me to and from rehearsal or yeah. audition for the longest time. Um, and both of them really encouraging my creativity and stuff. And then also brothers and yeah. you know siblings in general just very fortunate to have grown up in a family where i had an older brother who was a rapper and then another brother who was also an actor and a comedian and then a sister who was a dancer so how could i not oh, right. you know find myself in the midst of all that <laughs> you know so it was it was always great growing up around that creative energy yeah. and i think you know for me coming from the the parent side you know michael's talked about on this podcast when he left home to move to la and how his mom just cried and held him and uh and you know it, it's one of the things though that, that to me as a parent and as having a little boy who is insane and all over the place and has so many different signs that i i have no idea what he's going to be and what he's going to want to be yeah. when he grows up because he plays and he comes up with crazy things where he could definitely probably have the imagination and the creativity to be an artist, but he also has my wife's side yeah. where he could easily go into something, you know, marketing or, you know, a business like accountant and yeah. that's his joy and that's his love. And for like your mom, when you tell that story is she let you go. And that's, a, that's hard. That's so hard. My mom, when I moved here was 
I don't want devastated is an extreme word, but she was upset. Yeah. And so, you know, there's those inspirations too of understand just life and, you know, how to let things go and mm-hmm. giving that space and that ability to let your kid do what you want to do. Well, and there's also that time period. And I don't know if uh, you've encountered this yet, Moon, but as you grow older, you start to learn about mom and dad, not only as parents, but then as people. Definitely. And like it's that different relationship. Right. And so I started finding myself calling my dad more or my mom more and just going to them about life questions like, you know, how do I pay for rent and I don't have money and I don't want to ask you guys for help. (laughs) Here's a tin can. Here's the street corner. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But no, you you go to them, though, and there's that shift from necessarily parents to just like you're that's when they become like the friend, the best friend. And it's a beautiful change in the relationship. Um, so I'm very thankful that, you know, I was able to grow up in a positive household with uh, brothers and sister and a sister who, you know, were as creative as I was and that we were each other's like, you know, <laughs> like we would go and pretend to make movies and stuff <laughs> like that. Though That's I wish so one cool. of one of my older brothers maybe had a, a production company. That would have been pretty cool. <laughs> no, no, that would have been cool. Now everybody yeah. pause this podcast. Go call your parents. <laughs> right. You want to. You want to call mom. Tell you love her. It's okay. We right. get it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what do you hope, uh, you know, Moon, you know, with the little brother and the kids that you teach, how do you, what is your goal to inspire? How do you hope to inspire him? How do you hope to inspire those kids? What do you want them to take from you personally? Mm to never wait for anyone to make anything happen for you. You guys, they've seen me make moves and I said I was going to do something and I did it. So that's probably the the biggest thing I want to um, pour into them is that never wait for anyone. I am an advocate of this. You know, you only have one life to live. So live it to its fullest no matter what. Absolutely. That's beautiful. And right now, where is the program currently being offered? Um, so right now we aren't in session, but in January, we're probably going to be at Compton college. Okay. And yeah. And so this program came from Compton essentially, right? This is the city that you've grown up in. So, uh, we have listeners all over the world who listen uh, to this podcast. So Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to just take a moment and kind of, you know, they've heard a lot about Los Angeles. They've heard, I live in North Hollywood. So they've heard about that. They've heard about your Mm -hmm. area of town, Daniel. So talk to our listeners briefly about Compton, about this yeah. section of Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, there's a um, a lot of negative things that are said about Compton, but on the opposite side, it's a very beautiful place with amazing people. Some of the most creative people I've ever encountered in my life are from Compton. And there's a lot of um, great people who are doing great things that are from Compton. Mm-hmm. So although there is this negative portrayal of where we are from, it's an amazing place and it's beautiful. Well, uh, your city's mayor, Asia Brown. Yeah, uh, Asia, yeah. She is, um, you know, very much revolutionizing uh, and or and changing Compton mm-hmm. as as well with, through I know government programs yeah. and everything like that. Um, so, w- would you say that there's now a shift that's happening? Yeah, I think Compton is definitely being built up in a positive light. You know, even programs like mine are a part of the buildup of Compton and mm-hmm. the part of um, making the city even more better than what it is and um, creating these outlets for teens and students to go to that are better than the outlets that were provided. You know what I mean? Yeah. The negative outlets and a way to put their energy into something that's productive and helps them be 
uh, be a better person and um, create jobs for them. I think that's absolutely key because I come from a small town in Northern California and some of our listeners will remember one of my frustrations about and why I'm glad to be living in an area like Los Angeles is in my hometown, there are hardly any youth programs. I was I was fortunate for a while to be a part of a youth theater program. Mm -hmm. But even then, the community college that ran that has unfortunately had to shut it down due to budget cuts and everything. And so uh, outside of sports, there's not much of a chance to really go and learn and be surrounded by your peers, but be creating. Um, And I think that's beautiful, though, that in this uh, city where um, it it was known for certain aspects, you were able to create this new program and offer kids in this area a different perspective. Yeah, I think everyone needs an outlet. And oftentimes when we don't have the positive outlets, they're only the negative outlets to go to. Yeah, It's just just obvious if they don't have anything to work on, Mm -hmm. they're just going to go. To put their energy towards, then it can be very detrimental. You know, it's you know talking about Compton. Um, you kind of talked about how it's been portrayed and the 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 reputation it's been given is so funny because it's become a character because you see it in movies where and songs where they talk about Compton and, and almost like they're talking about a person. Um, you know, the the uh, uh, Straight Outta Compton movie that came out, Compton is very much a character in that film, and it's so interesting how so many people base their uh, idea of what Compton is and. Their, their stereotyping of it based on things they see that are set back in 1990 or 1980. Well, but it's also just, you know, things that have been perpetuated by media mm, absolutely. and and things like that. But that is very much not the case. No, absolutely not. You know, so um, for you, Moon and Sir, how has this town shaped you? How uh, would, would you say... Um, has it shaped you in one particular way as a person, as an artist? Um, as a person and an artist, I'm definitely uh, thankful to live in a community where people are supportive of each mm-hmm. other. We live on a block that has teens and older adults. And, you know, um, we have block parties. We have, you know, we're so supportive. And it's such a, a warm place to come home to. I love, I have friends that, you know, live in L.A., Ladera, things like that. But I love being home. I love being mm-hmm. around my neighbors. I love coming to Compton because it's home for me. No matter how anyone thinks of it, no matter how many negative things they can say about it, it's forever going to be home for me. And I'm forever going to love the way it makes me feel. Beautiful. Uh, what about you, sir? Um, it has shaped me to respect all the older people here because mm-hmm. I have a job across the street. I water a older lady's house for her a job. Her grass. I water her grass. <laughs> you sprays the house. <laughs> I water her grass. I rake up the leaves. I take out her trash daily. I put it back in her backyard. So, yeah, that's what it's taught me to be a man and respect. Back to your elders. Mm-hmm. That, that's beautiful. And, you know, I think that's any kind of community um, that that's what the elders want to pass on. Right. That this is a city. This is an environment that supports one another, but also shows you that you need to respect, you know, others in this community as well. How do you feel Vacaville shaped you, Michael, being like a small town? Oh, well, um, I mean, there's definitely that aspect to it. It's uh, right next to an Air Force base, which I also grew up on for the first nine years and, oh, wow. you know, military families, it's true. They're, they're there for each other because, you know, they're, um, you know, sp- 
sometimes both parents are in the military and they both get deployed um, to different areas of the world. And so sometimes all of a sudden, hey, guess what? Your best friend is going to be living with you for a while. We have to take care of him. Or, you know, uh, my dad was um, stationed in Turkey for like almost a year. And so my mom had to take care of three boys and a brand new baby girl by herself. But everyone in our community just came through and helped my mom out, you know. And so uh, I think that even though, you know, that's Travis Air Force Base and this is Compton, it sounds like, you know, those uh, values and everything are are very same. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I I mentioned off off my, you know, Texas is the, you know, south and it's very much the respect your elders you say yes ma'am yes sir you open doors you uh sweet tea and charm and everything you know and so that definitely was a big part of mine was respecting elders i i live next door to two um not at the, not when i was younger that elderly but older people and they would come over and my mom loved them having them over and we had a lot of older friends and my family is kind of all older so i i i was around that a lot and so it definitely taught me to respect the the people that come before um, and, and have respect for what they've been through and, you know, what they've gone through. My dad, my grandfather was in world war two and I, I grew a lot of respect from the military out of that. And, you know, it's the same thing. You, you kind of learn who you are in a lot of ways and, uh, find yourself in that, that community and that group setting of who you're going to be. Well, and that, and that's something that no matter where you move, whether it's to New York city, I know moon, you were talking about <laughs> moving to New York, um, or anywhere over the world. Those are values that you hope you'll carry with you mm-hmm. no matter what in any stage of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, what areas are like, are, are there specific places within Compton that you would say, like, if you're in Los Angeles, you have to check out this spot, um, whether would, it's uh, food oh, or food places spot. to go. Like, oh, would, just want, give me five minutes. Here we go. Guys, sir, I number would, one. Sir's Tams, eyes just uh, Yeah, Tams up. for sure. Tams. Um, That's Tams. my favorite food place. Uh, uh, what, what's there? What kind of um, they have burgers we eat the chili cheeseburger it sounds nasty it does but it's so good it sounds good all at the same time yeah (laughs) and the shakes are off the top uh taco pete is it and it's literally right down the street it's called taco pete's no 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 or tams that's tams and taco pete's and what else those are my spots (laughs) (laughs) oh and the um what's that uh, well, everybody has spot. a Louisiana fried chicken, but no, I feel like ours tastes different. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so. ours is the good one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, uh, man. F- we always go back to food, don't we? Well, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, like you were talking about, food. Food is like the universal language. I would also yeah. say music and food. Yeah. You know, you go anywhere and like you exchange food over a table. That's a ceremony that's been done since the beginning of time is people Mm -hmm. sharing food with one another and that's how we share culture that's how conversation just naturally happens Mm -hmm. so you know we at the very beginning of this podcast we talked a lot about food Mm -hmm. and stuff but um i know i haven't been to compton so i i want to know just for my own personal taste and stuff tams for sure (laughs) tams Tams. we'll we'll have to make take a trip yeah yeah it's right down the street okay stop putting you're being paid (laughs) go now so listeners know me me and daniel might go and try a tams burger after the recording of this (laughs) guys they have two for one every sunday (laughs) from three to seven (laughs) so good so Uh, so when you when you kind of talk going back to your program um how do you hope what kind of legacy do you hope your program has in compton uh you know maybe if you 
at some point have to move on and somebody else takes over for, for it down the road once it's expanded and become bigger and, you know, Georgia and, and yeah. Chicago. Like, what do you hope you leave behind in Compton? I definitely wanted to be a step into the industry mm-hmm. one day. This is like a path for you to, to get a job, a, a definitely outlet for them to be able to uh, create these uh, networking and talking to other people in the industry, things mm-hmm. like that. So I definitely wanted to almost be like a step into the film industry one day. So bring the film industry to Compton in a way so that it's not just... Yeah, yeah. Almost make it like a facility that if you really are interested in film, you need to come here. Nice. I like that. That's a good thing to aspire to. Kind of like Atlanta in Mm -hmm. a way, right? Yeah. Where um, for so long, the film industry wasn't really connected to there. But then over time and stuff, it's it's growing and booming and everything. So you could potentially be that that gate or that window into the industry and uniting the the city with that. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. any 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 words that you would want to uh, leave people who are thinking about either going to the program or that want to be editors or you know just any kind of any any kind of inspirational quote or message you could give anybody you have an open mic it's hot it's working <laughs> that you, people are going to be listening all around the world what would you want to tell them um have fun and keep following your dream and do not let anybody tell you that you can't do it. That's perfect. That's great. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's great because so many kids out there need to hear that. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a young child actress on the podcast, Izzy Coffey, and uh, she's gone on to be in films like Split, uh, oh, wow. directed by M. Night Shyamalan and everything. And, you know, for her and her mom's especially was like, always make sure you're having fun, yeah. that this is what you want to do. And that if you're going to do it, Go for it. Yeah, be the best you, like yeah. we were talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> what was it? Uh, come in and be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. she. We asked her, like, you know, get, can you have, do you have any advice for kids out there that want to be actors? Mm-hmm. And usually when we ask somebody that, they're like, well, um, you know. Uh, and she was like, one, learn your lines. <laughs> Two, be respectful. Like, she yeah. was on it. Yeah, she it sounds like so she's funny. on point for sure. But, <laughs> but having fun and loving what you do, I think, is a perfect way to just lead one's life. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Absolutely. Uh, so, one t- Moon, one more time, where can people find uh, Young Movie Makers of America? You can find us on Instagram at Young Movie Makers of America. Um, on Google, you can find us at youngmoviemakersofamerica.com. Uh, we have our site up. You can uh, donate if you want to, or you can just check us out, look at our videos. And yeah. Well, and you know, if uh, you are in a community where you think that this sounds like a great program, uh, definitely check out the website and contact Moon and see yeah. potentially how you could bring, you know, this organization to your local community. Absolutely. And you have a GoFundMe going uh, yeah. as well that people can go to um, as we'll donate on the website mm-hmm. as well. Uh, definitely. I mean, Jordan Peele believes in her. Uh, <laughs> Ava DuVernay <laughs> believes in her. I mean, this this is a program worth giving to folks. If you have equipment, if you have anything just lying around, if you just, you know, stuff that works that you can give her. Uh, if you want to donate food, uh, Tans, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> want to donate che- chili cheeseburgers <laughs> to all the wonderful kids at this program. Uh, and you, you gave people your Twitter, correct? Oh, my Twitter is Moon Domination and my Instagram is Music by Moon. Fantastic. Sir, where can people find you? Now, you have a YouTube channel, correct? Yeah. That has a few videos. Sir McMillan. You got some scooter videos on there, I believe. And and, and how do you spell that? Uh, S-I-R um, space M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. Perfect. Nice. Fantastic. Well, thank you, sir, 
Thank for coming you. on. I appreciate you taking the time to join us with your sister. Um, now, real quick, uh, Michael, thank you. I, I'm not, I'm, you, know, you it's, I thank you all the time. So I feel yeah, like I'll just hang out it's right implied. next to you. I, I just won't talk for the rest of the time. Just, just stop breathing on my neck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so real quick, Moon, before we go, um, I, this may be uh, before your time, but before Facebook, there was a wonderful website called MySpace. MySpace was after Friendster and before Facebook, yeah. where people would go to be bored and listen to people's crappy music while they were hoping to be on their top six. Yeah. Um, I have a uh, quiz directly from MySpace okay. that, that people wasted so many hours doing. <laughs> and before we started, you picked six numbers between oh, wow. 1 and 167, correct? And you had no idea what this is for. I didn't. And so I have those questions here. So I'm just going to ask these questions just so people can get to know you better. Okay. Uh, some of them will be insightful. Some of them will be a waste of time. Okay. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Question number one. Moon, are you ready for your MySpace quiz? Yeah. <clears throat> have you ever dated someone twice? Uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in miracles or... Do you believe in miracles? Miracles slash blessings. All right. There you go. So that's a yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> do you have an attitude? I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sometimes. Does that that's, count? Yes, yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Do you tan a lot? No. <laughs> <laughs> These questions. Like, it's just like, No. <laughs> Have you left the house without money? What a random question. We've never asked that one before. I think, I think, yeah. I think for sure. What, I does, think- what does anyone get out of that question? Tom, <laughs> hey, Tom at MySpace wants to know. <laughs> that way he knows if he needs to mug you or not. Yeah, exactly. If he sees you. All right, and your final question on your MySpace quiz. Did you ever win a trophy in your life? I think a medal. Soccer. Oh, what what position? I don't even remember. <laughs> the guy could never get my name right. So. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> well, thank you for taking the MySpace quiz, sir. <laughs> that was fun. Moon, thank you so much for being on. We truly appreciate it. Guys, look these guys up. Youngmoviemakersofamerica.com. Uh, give music by Moon on Twitter. Go go check them out. Donate, donate, donate. Go fund me and on their website. It's worth it. We promise. Uh, thank you again. Michael, thank, thank you. you again. Thank you. Yay, Woo! we did it. Back to you, Michael, in the studio. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that extended interview in which you got to hear about Moon's journey in taking over her career into becoming a filmmaker and how she's inspiring the young people in Compton like her brother, Sir, with her organization, Young Filmmakers of America. Now, we're going to break this all down for you. And when I say we, I'm not using that in the royal sense, but because I actually have someone here with us right now to break it all down with, and that's our executive producer and host, Mr. Daniel Tuttle. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How's it going, man? It's going really good, man. I'm so glad to be back on and recording. And it's 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 weird, like, talking to you in an outro, though. Yeah, it's weird. We haven't actually done this since, gosh, is it, has it been uh, since, like, the teens? 
It's been a while since it's, since our podcast teenage years. Yeah, at least the t- teens or twenties, probably. Yeah, it's because been, it's been quite a while. Yeah, for our new listeners who are just joining us, uh, when me and Daniel first started this over a year ago, we uh, tried as best as we could to do all of our intros and outros together. We would well, we, we <laughs> would we would have to get together in person because yeah. we, we didn't have the ability to record through like Skype or anything. Exactly, and it would be so funny because we would sometimes just block off a whole day to just do separate intros and outros for like at times a couple episodes. Oh man. But now because of technology, we can mm-hmm. actually record together or, and not have and, to be and, in the same and, space. And you, you have a laptop to record on. I have a laptop to record on. So now even if we're not recording over Skype, we can still like just be on the phone with each other and record yes. something. Uh, so if, this is technology is beautiful. If you know how to do technology and internet things, if you can create an online podcast recording system that doesn't sound like glitchy audio, let us know. <laughs> yeah, that would be beautiful. That would be really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of catch everybody up, kind of like what we just said, uh, I mentioned this on the IG Lives that we were having, that from now on, uh, when we have you know two-part episodes or you know one long interview episode, uh, one person will do the intro. The intros will be pretty quick now. We're going to get straight into the show. Uh, we don't want to keep you too long uh, before we get to the meat of why you're listening to the episode. But we'll also let you know what's going to be talked about after the episode. And that will always be both of us in the outro, the fu- the back end of the episode. So in that part, we'll talk about our thoughts on the episode and the interview. Uh, we'll do any podcast updates, any contest updates, any social media updates or anything like that. Um, and we'll always end on a nice supportive statement to help you get through the week. Exactly. It's me and Daniel have been thinking long and hard about this. And we kind of feel like this new structure that we're about to be doing that we're doing today is going to bring a lot of value to you. And as Daniel was saying, it's going to get you right to the interview, get you right to the guests to hear their journey and and their advice but then if you want to hang out with us at the end you can catch up with us on our personal journeys and hear our discussions about what we think was just discussed in the interview absolutely Um, but real quick it's been a crazy couple of weeks uh to (laughs) say the least just a little bit especially last week was rough <laughs> like it <laughs> yeah. was oh rough for all all of team hustle last week it was like a full moon week for all of us yeah oh my goodness so what's going on with you brother you got some exciting uh news to share with our I, listeners i do i if you've been following me on social media uh, at da- uh, at daniel tuttle on uh Twitter and D Tuttle on Instagram. Uh, I got a job. What? Daniel got a job. That's right. Um, It's a temp job for right now, like temp, temp to hire. Uh, I'm working at a production company in Los Angeles as a uh, assistant to uh, the SVP and the VP of production. Um, But talking to them more, the it's you know assistant may not even be in the right word because they really want this part person to be very integral to the department. Like I'm part of the production team, and that's uh, so cool. It's hopefully, it turns into a full time position. That's that's the goal. I'm working really hard to make sure that happens. But uh, it's just nice to one kind of get my foot in the door and kind of be able to at least put on my resume. I worked at an entertainment company 
just to have that on there is so great. It's um, it's it's such it's an a, a lot of essential building block. Yeah, absolutely. I've been there for about a week and two days now, and it's been just it's really been great. Like I love going to work every day, and that, everybody's super nice, and it's been incredible. That's so awesome, dude. And I and I know you and I uh, had a big talk about when you got the job offer because you had a couple other uh, options on the table as yeah. well. Uh, do you want to share with our kind of listeners how once yeah do you want to share with our listeners uh how yeah. you reached this decision yeah absolutely i, I got, had a I had another uh job offer from a, a video game company to be a social media coordinator which is something i was looking at as well um uh, just because i did a lot of social media for hollywood hustle and some other things in the past and i kind of got these job opportunities at the same time the production uh, uh, the production assistant job, which I'm doing right now, and then the possible social media coordinator job at Activision. And I started doing a lot of talking. I talked to my wife. I talked to uh, Michael. Um, you know, the biggest question was, you know, the assistant job doesn't pay as much as the social media coordinator job. And so it's and it's also temp. So there's no guarantee that it's going to turn into a full time gig, but it's possible. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot of debate on like, you know, obviously I want to do what's right by my family uh, financially and, you know, make sure we're still stable, especially in Los Angeles, if there is a (laughs) thing like that in Los Angeles. Oh, boy, Um, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) But it was it was really kind of that churning of what the best option is. And my wife is super supportive. I love her to death. And she was just like, you know, this is why you came here. You came here to be in the entertainment industry. And for five years, almost, you know, almost five years, you've been looking for that foot in the door. And this is that opportunity. And she's like, yeah, money's great, but I'm really good at budgeting and we can figure it out. And I feel Mm -hmm. like you would you would kick yourself if you don't take this opportunity, because I got this job through a friend of mine I used to go to church with. She knew one of the girls that works at the company who had posted about this job and she hooked me up with her and all this stuff. So it was, again, it was who, you know, I got lucky that somebody knew me trusted that I could do the job and you know, submitted me to their friend for it. And so it really came down to like, what is the right path for me? And Mm -hmm. sometimes the right path doesn't mean more money or, a better title or, you know, whatever. It just means you're going towards what you love. And luckily I had a lot of other people who knew some people at this company that asked some questions. And the biggest thing I got was that if I went to the other company, the gaming company, I would be pretty much kind of a cog in a machine. Whereas with this production company, I would be a part of the team and I would be integral and, and a piece of it and learn so much. And I also have the option down the road, hopefully of developing and writing scripts. So it so really cool. came, it really came down to what was best for my future and where I want to go and that's that's kind of where the decision came from and Michael I talked to Michael also and he gave me some really great advice about like what what do I want to do and where do I want to be and even though money is great but your passion is better in a lot yeah. of ways and of course you know here in Los Angeles so much of what we've been learning here on the podcast is it's how it's all about relationships and, of course, also about experience. And in this production office, you're going to gain that experience, but you're the assistant to two of the top executives of a production company. And I know one of your ultimate dreams is to be an executive producer and showrunner. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's been and that's what I, I you know, I've told them, like, that's really great is just to be able to sit and absorb the knowledge 
and just and not only hear how they talk and what you know learn any kind of thing I don't know but like just see the process mm-hmm. and, and 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 understand it from an actual like there in the trenches point of view and not just like in a book and so I think that's going to be just really helpful to see how other people handle and guide themselves through this so if you know when that day comes for me I'll have a better understanding and some advice from other people that'll help me get me through. That is so awesome, dude. I'm so excited for you. I know that the, you know, our community and I have been rooting for you this whole time. And, you know, I know it's been a long time coming. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it really has. And, and, and it's, and I, you know, thank you so much, Michael, and everybody that's listening for your support and, and kind words. I, when we've been doing the IG lives and I've talked about looking for a job, everybody's just been so kind and, 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 and supportive and really, you know, it, it, it's been hard and it got harder as the months went on and this couldn't come at a better time. And, and I just, you know, thank you everyone. Thank you to Madison Harwell who, who helped connect me to the job. Shout out to her. Shout it's, out. It's, it's been it's been really great. And also, like at the same time, I've had some kind of script I- options come up where some really? people have talked to me about possibly writing some scripts for them. What? So, uh, I don't want to go too deep just because there's no deals closed yet. And we're of still course. working on uh, negotiations. But um, one of them is a sequel to a, a movie I wrote a while back. And another is a, a new film through a new person we met through IAP. And so ins- uh, Inside Acting Podcast. Yeah, Inside Acting Podcast. So uh, hopefully down the road that kind of all turns out into other good stuff. So we'll see. Excellent. Spring about, is spring is bringing good things for you, my friend. Uh, absolutely. So, so Michael, you're, uh, I just, okay. So I want to point this out. I'm going to kind of share just a little <laughs> bit, uh, cause you pointed this out to me and I, and I want to share this part uh, before you get into the other stuff. Okay. So last week you had a commercial shoot. Yes. And, and so for people that don't know, I, I know we've kind of told, I think we've told the story on the podcast when I got let go from my other job, Michael was on set at a commercial shoot and I had called him and left him a voicemail saying, you know, I got laid off. And the biggest problem was we didn't have a space to record anymore. That was like my first worry. (laughs) And he was working for these, these guys that he knew through uh, other jobs he's done. And the day I got pretty much hired for this job, he was working with those guys again. Yeah. And it literally, this, and this was like the second time it wasn't like you'd been working with them over the last year, this was literally like that time. And then this time. Yeah. And exactly. so it was, it was a really weird bookend of Michael getting a commercial shoot through this company and me losing and getting a job at the same time. Yeah. So I thought that, I know you brought that up to me and I thought that was pretty funny. No, it, it is really funny. And I, I think, what was it that I said? I said something like, just watch out anytime I ever book something. <laughs> Just yeah, make sure you're secure. Yeah, but it your doesn't job. mean good things are happening for me. It's like this weird, my world will shift if Michael gets a commercial. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and it's so funny because uh yeah, exactly as you were saying, uh, this was with the same production company. This was even for the same product that I was working on uh back in I that was October that I worked at. Uh and it, and it's so interesting. Like I, I talked to the production crew about this, and I even sh- I shared this circumstance of how you lost your job uh, when we previously worked together, and now that I'm working with them again, you got a new job, and they wanted to extend uh, their congrats to you. They thought well, it was awesome, and and they hope that they, uh, you know, these positive vibes of us on set and everything continue to flow well between us and future opportunities. But uh, absolutely. 
It, it, it's cool, though, because the footage that we shot back in October, it was more so for in-house marketing. The company hasn't gone public yet with this product. And, of course, I've signed an NDA. I can't really say what the product is yet. But, uh, you know, my friend who works within this production team, he told me that the head of their company loved my material a lot. Like, was super happy about the work that I had done. And That's great. And so when they contacted my friend's company about doing this new campaign, they asked, like, you know, my friend said, we know that you really liked Michael's work and we know that you don't yet have a face yet to your company. Would you like to bring Michael back? And they said, yeah. They said, like, they would love to see me again. And so it's kind of crazy. Like, nothing's official yet, but not to say that I'm going to be the face of this company. Like, I'm going to be the... Verizon guy, but kind of crazy to think that like this all came from an opportunity that I didn't even audition for, that these guys just know me and know my work from previous uh, productions, and they just keep pitching me to this company. Yeah, I mean, you you, you never know where your jobs are going to come from in this town, and yeah. sometimes it's out of like just the most random, you know, like I said, people randomly just messaging you and saying, hey, do you have this? Can I see this? Cause I'm thinking about you for this. And it's like, Oh yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Sure, I didn't even know that would happen. That was a possibility, but cool. Yeah. And you know, this was, you know, he's a good friend of mine and he's actually in the play that I'm in right now, met again with theater unleashed. And so when he contacted me last year about it, I said, of course, I didn't even ask him about pay, let alone do I realize days later that, Oh, there's going to be pay involved. This is like, you know, a funded production. And so needless to say, I got paid, uh, I could say double um, what I was paid for the last shoot. And this time it's going to go public. Like nice, man, because, uh, you know, it is a non-union shoot. And sometimes when you do stuff like that, you have to sign away as an actor, your right to get a copy of the footage so that you can include it on your marketing materials, like your reel. But no, the, the, production company wanted me to know that like this June or July they will be going public and we will be giving you a copy that's for awesome you to man. Use. it's always it's always important to get those the the copies of the footage to do for your reels now in the future just so you can keep building it up and updating yeah. it yeah uh, so super thankful for that it was like you know I worked from 8:30 a.m. to 9 p.m. and it was all just, they were all just rolling on stuff of me, just my scenes. I was the only actor on set. So it was kind of nerve wracking, but at the same time, like it was so much fun that way because I know quite a few of them. It, it was just like this very like friend, friendly, uh, positive atmosphere on set. Right. And I couldn't have asked for anything more than that. Nice. So uh, you you also had uh, another thing happen <laughs> last week before the commercial shoot. Yes, uh, the the pendulum swings both ways, right? So I booked something amazing. This is the and full fun. moon part. Yeah, this is the full moon part. So, uh, so that I shot moon, that. Get it? Uh, ha, ha, get yes, because moon is our guest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so dumb. Um, but so we filmed this on last Wednesday the three days prior on Sunday I was in a car accident um I was with my girlfriend Anna Karen 
uh, we had just picked up our friends, Jen and Cody in the car and we were getting ready to go to Disneyland. Like they were amazing. They had just made us oatmeal and like, we were all ready to go. And I was just driving through an intersection on a green light. And, uh, you know, this other driver went from like being stopped at a red light to thinking he had a green. So he drove in at full speed and collided with me. Luckily didn't T-bone me. Karen saw it in time. Uh, cause if she, she didn't say anything, I probably wouldn't be on the podcast right now, but you know, everyone came out of it. We're all able to walk away. I'm still dealing with the aches and pains of it. Um, but it was, man, it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Those, it, no matter what kind of wreck, man, those are always, they, they shake you up and give you some aches and pains and definitely kind of, there, there's definitely some like PTSD involved yeah. from, from a car wreck. But I, I'm personally, I'm, I, I, I am so glad that you are okay and Anna's okay and, and your friends were all, you know, everybody walked away, but yeah. that's always a positive way to look at it. Exactly. And, you know, there's all the things that come with being in a car accident, right? There's dealing with insurance. There's dealing with the medical costs of getting treatment and and stuff like that, as well as, oh, yeah, now I have to find a way to buy a new car and stuff. But I've been fortunate that I've had these, like, creative opportunities present themselves that allowed me to, like, fully invest myself into that, not have to just be surrounded by car accident. 24 7 some, some good distractions i've had some good distractions but i've also had like you know go to your tribe i've had people that i love and that support me that are there for me you've been amazing like for me to be like oh my gosh don't know what insurances are gonna say or you know throwing car options out to you and then ah uh, i mean i was talking to my director of uh med again about this and he he said something that kind of like made me go, whoa. Uh, he said, you're going to have multiple cars. as you, For the rest of your time living in Los Angeles throughout your life, cars are going to come and going to go. But you only get this one shot for yourself and you only get this one time you know, to be with your girlfriend. So be thankful that, you know, sure, you have to get a car, but you have each other. And that... Yeah, absolutely. That's, you that's both are advice. okay. So... Yeah, it's it's been refreshing. I mean, you know, I've, and I have to say, like now, a couple of weeks out, I'm feeling a lot more positive about where things are heading. Um, I'm actually going to see some cars tomorrow, and so I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, that's I, awesome. My 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 car was lovely before, but this gives me a, a chance to reevaluate uh, budgets and stuff like that, and find well, something that you- works better for me. You mentioned your director, and I know you kind of mentioned Medigan a little earlier. How how's that going? How's the rehearsal process and character development going for you? Yeah, it's amazing. I just love theater uh, more and more. Like having this past week where I was able to be on set and then also be in rehearsals for my play. I mean, the energies are completely different, um, but with theater, it's just so. I'll, because I don't know, it's something maybe because it's not a technical, it's not as technical as film, but it's been going great. Me, me and Julia uh, Plasniks, who was on our IG live a couple weeks ago, uh, we've just been working more and more at our characters and making uh, strong choices. Sean Fitzgerald, who I hope to have 
maybe here on the podcast or on one of our IG lives, uh, he's also been pushing me and he kind of sat me down the other day and was like, hey man, I have all these ideas. I, I, I feel very personally about this show. I'm very, I, I, I love everything that this show's about. So I feel like I can be sometimes too controlling in my choices. And I want you to know that you can push back on Wow, that's, that's really cool that he ideas kind of like give. was able to admit that. Yeah, because he actually, I guess, played my role back in its original inception when it was just like a two-minute long play. Like it was a short, super short play, and he played my character, and that was... Oh, gotcha. So it's a little tough to let go. Exactly. And so he has his way of how he would play a character, but he also has to accept as the director that I have my own uniqueness my own personality that I'm bringing to the role and so it's kind of it's it's always great to be able to talk with your director or whoever's in charge of a project and be like hey your opinion's also valid let me hear what ideas you have and not that he's going to throw away his but he can find a way to bring them together and we had a moment recent in our last rehearsal where uh, it's a big moment in the play between uh, Julia and I, and he was thinking about taking the scene in one specific direction, but I actually kind of threw out an idea of like, you know, I feel like in this moment, this is what I would want to do. And he took a moment and he closed his eyes and it was just like a, oh, oh, wow. Let's try that. Let's do that. Let's see what it looks like. And that, And then we did it and he's like, that's it. That's how we're going to take that moment. So, nice. yeah, it's always fun to be able to see the play and these moments come alive through the exchange of ideas. Um, uh, nice, man. So, like, had a you had a fun and crazy week all at the same time. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, definitely a Hollywood hustle of like, you know, <laughs> I don't have a car, but I I booked all these product this commercial, and I have these rehearsals that I have to get to and work. And found a way to make it happen. Nice, man. Um, nice. But let's get back to the interview with Moon. Uh, now, this was a very special kind of like two-in-one interview. Uh, we yeah. ha- kind of had a mini act two with uh, Moon's brother, Sir. And because it wasn't too long of an interview, I just felt like we could probably just uh, package both in this one episode. Um, now, I have these kind of uh, my main takeaways and I think that we could just kind of talk about them and discuss them. Uh, Sound good with you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so uh, these are my three big takeaways. Using your passion to bring change to your community, to not be afraid to reach out to other people who are masters of their craft to help accomplish your dreams, and then also to not let society dictate your dreams. I think Moon's journey of, you know, being a young a teenager into a a young adult just graduating high school and then getting her associate's degree, getting all the knowledge she needed to become a filmmaker and then also recognize that I have all this knowledge. I can give this to the youth in my community to give them more ideas of what they want to do when they grow up. I think it was just absolutely fascinating and inspiring and in such a beautiful example of how art can change the world whether it's on a global or a local level and that's what moon's trying to do she's 
well, trying to make Compton the new Hollywood. Well, you know, it, it, time is really precious, as you and I both know. There's mm-hmm. there's very little of it, and for someone to spend their time to put together workshops and lessons, calling other people to come in and speak, to find places to have these workshops, to get promoted and get kids there, and then actually do the workshops, to put that time in is a huge commitment. Yeah. And so for someone at, at, at Moon's age to really take charge and lead this and put this together and spend the time that it takes to develop this is phenomenal and you know as we I, we said in the show and we said when we talked to her before like that is that's so inspiring and 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 our our i mean it's it's just amazing yeah and she, it's you know it's it's important to remember to do that sometimes absolutely and i think it's just you know we also had this really great discussion about um how los angeles is so different and unique Compared to where you and I are from, Daniel, you from Texas, me from uh, a small town in Northern California, this feels like such a an essential program that I wish I could have had as a young right. person. No, oh my gosh, I wish I had. I didn't have. Th- I wasn't able to do really theater theater until I was in high school. Oh, so that's right. I would have yeah. loved to have this opportunity when I was in you know eleventh grade, eighth grade, nine, you know uh, when I was seven or ten. Mm-hmm. I would have loved it. And of course, technology wasn't where it is now when we were younger. So I know one of the things that Moon's talking about right now, because she's still trying to raise funds for uh, the young movie makers of America, uh, is trying to decide, does she want to get film cameras or uh, digital or even iPads? And, you mm-hmm. know, if if you're a young person learning to make film, you don't need a Red Dragon Right. to to film your your short movie you like movies and tv shows now are sometimes made on some such simple things as ipads which is no, absolutely crazy but as long as you have that knowledge in that direction of giving you focus and stuff that's what's important you know one of the things that you have on here that i really want to point out is the idea and, of uh, oh go ahead uh, the, you know one of the things i want to talk about is like the idea of like reaching out to people who have mastered a certain craft or who have more knowledge than you on a certain part of your craft or, or, or that, you know, does something better than you. That's it. it, People have this weird Mm -hmm. confidence thing where they feel like if I go ask someone who I know is better at, you know, a about it, that it, it, it's admitting to them and to myself that I'm not as good. And a lot of times that's, that's okay. It's okay to, not be as good at something as somebody else. Every there's always going to be someone better than you, always at something. Yeah, that's just that is absolutely just a point and of life. Yes, amen to that. I mean, she reached out to her uh, mentors who have their own production company, and they helped her out even with their her first like production with this organization. Absolutely, and they were able to bring in some of their equipment and tools and stuff, but. At the same time, they're also giving back to the kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just such a great example of like using people who you directly know, who uh, have worked with you. But then also the fact that she got to meet with Jordan Peele. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. You know, and the fact that he was also gracious to listen to her and talk to her about film and and his work. 
I thought was just inspiring and kind of speaks to how he's willing to also help. Yeah. Out and again, the, it's, it's taking that time and, and how yeah. special it is when someone does that and, mm-hmm. and anybody that donates their time to, you know, even if it's just to get coffee and just listen to you about something that's going on and offer their advice, that's still, they're taking time out of their day to listen to you and share their knowledge. And that's, that's something that should never be under, under thought and, un, yeah. and taken, taken for granted. And, and because I, Oh, it's it's just so kind. Yeah. And I just to go off of that, I wish, of course, that more people felt were acted this way and supported each other in this way. And, you know, Moon kind of talked about to not let society dictate your dreams. Absolutely, Uh, She was she was very much like stay on your path and don't let the criticisms of others knock you down. She talked about being, you know, one of the only african-american women in her college classes and how people would sometimes not like the stories that she would tell specifically because of who she was yeah and and, and the f- yeah and and the fact that she was able to persevere and move move past that and and work harder just shows like you can keep going you can keep doing it and sometimes you just got to shut out those negative voices to, well, to go further your to go path. even kind of to go even further with that is you know don't let any outside forces in there itself like keep you from what you want to do you know it, it doesn't have to just people it could be situations and moments and, and events that could easily keep you and and b- break down your self-confidence and and cause you to be like oh I, I just can't I can't go on I can't keep doing this but mm-hmm. you can you always can you just gotta yeah. let those, vo- like you said, those voices and and the things that may happen that cause stress and cause you just beat you down. Those life things, you've you've just gotta sometimes just take it on the chin and just keep moving. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so important to just keep going because you know what you're you're gonna just keep doing your work and share your work, and then who knows? Maybe one morning you'll wake up and see that it's been retweeted four thousand times. <laughs> oh my god let's hope so <laughs> <laughs> right but uh S- speaking of retweets <laughs> yes right oh speaking of retweets yeah so um would love to hear what you guys have to think about this show but we've got some more updates about our show hollywood hustle that we want to share with you and daniel's got some of our new updates for social media so as you know, we have a new social media manager, our Noby Day, that's, that has stepped up and has taken over our social media, our Twitter and our Instagram and our Facebook. And and she has been doing a fantastic job. Uh, like us, she kind of had a crazy week last week, so things got a little wonky, but she is back on it this week, uh, full force. But she is bringing in some really cool ideas, guys, that you do not want to miss. We're starting to do these Hustling Heroes of L.A. stories where you're going to hear about hear about regular people that maybe right now we don't have on the show, but we can still share their stories. Uh, yesterday, from when we're recording this, we posted about a, 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 a young woman who's a stunt performer and a fencer and an actress, and she also helps run a music company. Like, she is hustling. She's 24, and she is killing it. And those are the stories that we also want to tell are those people who are hustling that maybe aren't in 
this public eye or social media influencers or anything like that. We still want to tell those people's stories because that's still important to see that there's regular people out there working their butts off. And so look out for these hustling heroes of LA stories. They're so awesome. We're going to start having a few contests about how well you know LA, uh, uh, if you know maybe certain movie facts and things like that. So definitely do not sleep on our social media. It is really heating up and it's just a lot. We're going to have more ways for you to contribute, for you to be a part of the community so we can interact with you more. And it's just going to be fantastic. Yeah. Our Nobi's just been killing it and this hustling heroes of la that that's her baby that's like th- one of the main things she brought to you and me daniel when we yeah. met with her and, this and was she's one of doing, her big she's doing ideas. a lot of the work for it she is going out she is finding people she is interviewing people and it's it's i'm so excited just to see more stories as they come. yeah and that and that's why i love that we're just expanding team hustle because uh you know we that just gives more opportunity to bring on different voices onto our platforms, uh, not just here on the podcast, but also on social media. And I mean, this the person that you were just talking about, like she was a fencer before she was an actor, and like, but uh, just go check out our Instagram. It is so cool to see how just by being a swordsman or a swordswoman to then using those skills to become an actor. So cool and yeah. definitely worth checking out. Um, we also Absolutely. have some new stuff coming on down the line. You might have already listened to it, but starting with this interview and from now on, we're going to have also, we're also going to be publishing what we're calling side hustles, just like in LA or, uh, you know, daily life. We all have this side hustle. The other thing that we're doing while we also are trying to pursue the thing that we love. So in podcast form, uh, we're going to be releasing preview episodes. They're going to range from 10 to 15 minutes sometimes. Uh, they're just going to be very quick doses of what's to come from the upcoming interview. So you might have already listened to the side hustle here for uh, Moon McMillan. Um, we'll have one coming out next Monday for Alexandra Boylan. Uh, it is just going to be a really cool way to get you get you hyped for the new episode that'll be coming out uh, later in the week. And we're still releasing our full interviews on Tuesday with these side hustles coming out on Monday. But it's something that Daniel and I have been talking about for a while. And I think, you know, sometimes people are at work or on the go and they don't have time to listen to the full interview right then and there. But these side hustles are going to be a way for you to get the big nuggets um, from that conversation. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's going to be a really cool addition to what we already put out there and just give people a second option. That's kind of a lighter option, uh, to listen to, but also kind of just get them ready to like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't wait to hear the rest of this person's story in the full episode. Exactly. So really excited to share that with you guys, but also Daniel, it's as of this recording, it's uh, April 19th. We're coming up on our first podcast birthday. It's our podcast birthday. Woo-hoo. Podcast birthday. Woo woo. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for listeners, when we launched, we were coming off the heels of a very successful Kickstarter campaign that allowed us to pay for the equipment uh, and necessary tools that we used to help get this show started. But now, almost a year in, and Daniel and I have had many discussions about the show, how we can further expand Team Hustle as as well as the brand Hollywood Hustle. 
uh, how we can bring more value and production value to the show and a whole lot more. Oh, uh, yeah. You now have the opportunity to contribute to the growth of the show. At the bottom of our website is a PayPal button where you can give to the podcast as a one-time or reoccurring monthly contribution. With these, we'll be able to expand our reach of the show, allowing us to bring more listeners and guests to the show. And this will allow us to move closer to opening a Patreon with a ton of great rewards that we've been talking about and that we're super excited about that. Yeah, but and no- also... Yeah, okay. I, I was also just going to say and know that the show's going to keep on being released uh, for free. But that's that's the first thing I want you to know. But this show will, will keep on going for a long time. But we want you to know that we're going to keep evolving this into something bigger and better. And you have the opportunity to be a part of that. So um, if you feel like you've been gaining a lot from listening to our guests and from Daniel and myself and You've wondered, what? how can you give back? We know times can be tough, and sometimes a one-time contribution is all you can give. We would totally be grateful for that. Or if you feel like you want to uh, keep giving on a monthly basis, there's an option for that as well. So if you just go to hollywoodhustlepodcast.com and scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see uh, the the button to to give to the Hollywood Hustle. Absolutely. And uh, we we appreciate anything. And like I said, this this show's continuing no matter what. This is just a way for you to be a part of it, to contribute to it, and to help us grow to be even better down the road. Yeah, super excited about that. And uh, also with these new episodes, uh, as Daniel was kind of talking about earlier, we're also going to start doing this new segment. You know, typically one of us will be hosting the outro discussion, but because this is our premiere joint outro. Um, we, we, we're both going to share a hustle support statement and Daniel, if you don't mind, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and give mine first. Absolutely. The way. Yeah. As Moon's story illustrates, don't let the outside forces of life get you down and impede on the vision that you have set out for yourself. Think of your life as a film, widen your lens to the bigger picture and what story you want to tell in the moment. It can be so easy to zoom in on a specific moment and let it upstage everything else. As I shared, I was involved in a terrible car accident, and for a couple days, that's all I could think about. The alternate scenarios and the stressful decisions that I was gonna have to make. But I didn't let me but I didn't let it stop me from doing what I love. I was able to work a full day on set and have an incredible time with the production crew. And I've made new discoveries about my character in recent rehearsals for Met Again, and that's given me confidence in my performance. So I want to be able to look back on this scene and say to myself that I didn't let this car accident wreck my creative accomplishments, but that instead I found relief and growth by taking hold of my creative vision. That's a great point, man. And 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 I'm so happy that you've had a because I know you were really getting beaten down by all the documents and should I get a lawyer? Should I go see a doctor and a ton of other things. So it's great to see this kind of new outlook on it and kind of just really, it's just there and it's a part of what's going on, but it's not taking you over. Exactly. It's so easy to think like, Oh, this is going to ruin my life or whatever. It's no, it's a thing that happened, but you can either grow from it or, be brought down by it. And I don't want that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the same vein, you know, there's a quote that says, you never know how strong you are until it's your only choice. 
Uh, I've been doing theater, acting, creating for a long time now. And, and since I was a little kid, you know, pretending to save my mom from ghosts and Ghostbuster PJs, not everyone will understand you or understands the passions you have. Family, friends, strangers, all of them will have opinions about your life and your choices. Some will support you, believe in you, allowing you to take risks towards what you love, and others will push you towards other options. Put down your passions and you along with them. In these times, you have a choice. Uh, Allow these vocal intruders to tear down what you love, tear you down. I have been doing this for a long time, and in some ways, I feel like I am just getting started. Being unemployed for the last six months and doing things I love when I could between jobs that took me away from my passions were were hard. But you never know what it's preparing you for. I wouldn't have had the chance at this job if I had not worked in other offices in the past. I would not have been able to take great notes at a meeting had it not been for meetings with Michael about scripts or the podcast. Life is not a straight path, but everything can prepare you. Sometimes things happen at times farther away than you wish. But if you love, love what you do in your life or your career, sometimes strength is your only choice to continue towards, to continue forward past the outside voices and your own self-doubt because nothing else can get you there but you. So just remember wow. that. That's awesome. Just, just remember that, BT Dubs. But yeah, just BT Dubs, <laughs> remember that. Yeah, no, that's so awesome. I mean, as an actor, what you just said, rings so true in that it all everything in life the good the bad all informs the choices that you make that you Mm -hmm. bring to the role or what you bring to your song or poem or or book it all informs what you do absolutely and and it 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 can either uh be a learning uh step and you can step up and keep on going or you can let it stop you in your tracks so I'm for the former idea. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but we would love to hear from you about what you thought of today's interview with Moon McMillan. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast and on Twitter at LA Hustlecast. And I can be reached at Michael Lutheran and Monsieur Tuttle. Where can you be reached? Uh, at D Tuttle on Instagram and at Daniel Tuttle, T U T T E L, at Twitter. Perfect. And you can always shoot us an email uh, at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please like, share, retweet about this episode and leave us a review on iTunes. And as we said earlier, if you would like to contribute to the production of the show, please visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. And if you love what Moon is up to and you want to learn about her organization and see if there's any way you can help or join uh, this much-needed program, go to youngmoviemakersofamerica.com uh, for more information on all that. Now, Daniel, what's coming up next week? Well, next week, we begin our interview series with actress, writer, and producer Alexandra Boylan. Alexandra came to Hollywood at the age of 19 to pursue dreams of building a career in the entertainment industry, and she did it 10 years later in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> in part one, we talked to Alexandra about discovering film and imagination, moving to Los Angeles, producing a play with a friend, and what pushed her to move away from the City of Angels to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and how that gave her the completely new start that she needed. Don't miss this inspiring interview that will remind you that the paths towards our dreams are definitely not straight lines, and you never know what will lead you towards success. 
Awesome. It's such a great interview. We just recorded it, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. So this, you don't want to miss this episode. You don't want to miss any of our episodes, but don't miss this one uh, with Alexandra Boylan. But, Do not miss it. <laughs> but that wraps it up for episode 52. Is that the one? Yeah, man. But yeah, that wraps yeah, it up for oof. episode 52. We are now on our way to episode 100. Whew. Man. Let's, Made it through the first 50, man. It seems so far away. <laughs> I know. I know. But uh, it's been so much fun chatting with you, buddy. Finally. Absolutely. Again on an outro discussion. I look forward so much more to doing these uh, in the weeks and months and years to come. Uh, Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I I feel like that's one of the things that we've been missing. And I know I love doing Instagram lives with you, which happen every Friday uh, or they were happening every Friday. We're trying to find a new time. We're working on a new time since I got a job and Michael's busy with play and other stuff. We're, We're trying to find a new time. It will come back though. Yeah. But it's, it's, I know some of our listeners have communicated that they just really enjoy hearing us. So I feel like these joint outro discussions really give us a chance to catch up uh, on each other's paths and let's talk about the interview. Absolutely, man. I'm super excited to continue it and talk to you more about what we talk about on the show. (laughs) Yeah. All right. But until next week, guys, continue to follow your dream no matter what. Don't let uh, the outside voices dictate what you do. And always remember to keep up the hustle. Bill Tuttle is our executive producer and host. Michael Lutheran is our producer and edited today's episode. Arnobi Day is our digital marketing strategist and community manager. Gordon Meacham is our episode analyst. And our website is designed by Mike Tobias. And in this interview, we featured the song Lucid Dreams featuring Moon McMillan by the artist Your Grandparents and produced by Ghetto Blasterman. For more information, visit HollywoodHustlePodcast.com. Hollywood Hustle Podcast.